Greetings, friends, and welcome to How To Wrestling, the world's first wrestling podcast detailing how to wrestling, how to get into wrestling, how to understand wrestling, and goodness knows, maybe even how to enjoy wrestling, or how to figure out how that guy everyone says is really important to wrestling. How come? Why is he racist? What's that all about? Tell us about the racist wrestler. It's How To Hogan. Hello, everyone. Once again, I'm resident. Who's that? What's it all about? Please explain it to me in... 120 minutes or less person Kevin Mann and joining me my charge in this treacherous journey through the mountains of sports entertainment and the peaks and many valleys of professional wrestling tis my girlfriend Joanna Graham hello Joe. hello are you excited about getting to grips with the man Terry Balea the myth that is Hulkamania and the wrestler that is Hulk Hogan <laughs> Um, I guess so. Yeah, this was an interesting episode. Mm. Can all be handsome members of the Shield doing fucking backflips? Can't it though? What if we just had a podcast that was just us talking about how handsome Seth Rollins is? It's great. I- I'll be honest, folks. This was possibly the most joy I took out of uh, watching the matches and segments for How to Wrestling as Joe fidgeted and screamed, demanding to know why we had to watch a racist old man not do flips. <laughs> Seriously, Kevin was actually like standing by the sofa, rubbing his hands with glee, <laughs> cackling. <laughs> it's um, it's Hulk Hogan. This one, it's a big, 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 massive episode to get into. Such a massive career. First and foremost, Hulk Hogan. By and large, if even if you don't know anything about wrestling, Hulk Hogan is the first name that comes into people's minds when you think of even wrestling or what it is. Yeah. I think a lot of people might even know who Hulk Hogan is and not even know what wrestling is, not well, even know what was, he's famous for. That was me, basically, so, before I watched wrestling. What was, was Hulk Hogan to you then? A action figure. <laughs> it's overzealous neon pitch man. Every, every male child who I was friends with had a Hulk Hogan action figure. Really? Yeah. Wow. It was so, like one of the ones everyone had. I think maybe even my brother possibly had one, even though he never watched any wrestling. It's, it's interesting because remember we talked about in the uh, How to Steve Austin episode, obviously a lot of careful wording and whatnot in terms of who's the most successful, who's the greatest, who's the best, who's the most accomplished, all that. Regardless of how you measure it, I think Hulk Hogan is simply put the most recognisable wrestler yeah. of all time, for better or for worse. Is that how the WWE would... In- like introduce him then they would call him the immortal hulk hogan or oh. the legendary hulk hogan or um he hogan would have been in many respects at his time unlike something that had never been seen before in terms of the amount of money he made he was the first wrestler who truly had national merchandise and you know cartoons action figures t-shirts branded vitamins, lunch boxes, everything. Hulk Hogan had it. Wow. He was the first wrestler who had that. And even though people like Steve Austin obviously went on to break his, you know, he had a lot of records for attendance and money made and whatnot. Austin broke a lot of those records. And I think even Hogan's t-shirt records were eventually broken by John Cena. Still to take us from point A where wrestling is something that's kind of known about in the regional level to national, huge, Hogan's as big as Mr. T and MASH and everything else that's 80s. It's so weird to think about because while I was watching the matches, I just I just don't see the appeal. <laughs> you can say this right after we've all this career and matches and segments to get into. Yeah, you don't I was thinking see the appeal. this is probably something to save to the end and maybe my opinion of him will change throughout this recording. But 
My God. There were no whoops and cheers and yays and oh my God! The crowd, the crowd love him. That's why I think it was perplexing for you, wasn't it? Because I mean, we've all seen we've seen boring wrestling before. Yeah. But to see this level of engagement, we watched some classic '80s stuff with Hogan, a lot of segments, a few matches, which we'll go through now shortly. But yeah, um, to see the reaction, I thought I likened him to a real life superhero in in that sense, and that's how he was perceived. It makes me wonder how on earth audiences like that would react to an actual good wrestler from current day. I don't know, but is it, are, is that is that cool wrestler six foot eight and weighs three hundred fifty pounds and has the twenty four inch pythons jack and all the Hulkamaniacs that he had to strike back just to keep you off my back, Jack? There must be other equally tall wrestlers who are... That level of athleticism. I don't know. better. I mean, I think Hulk Hogan definitely, as as you've mentioned there, as we're about to get into this, Hulk Hogan definitely a lot more sizzle than steak. Some would say more style than substance, although there is possibly more substance there than you would think. But Hulk Hogan ain't doing no top rope moonsault. No. Or German... Hulk Hogan ain't taking no 12 German suplexes. No. 12-minute headlock... (laughs) Possibly. Yeah. So Hulk Hogan's background, you you said that, you know, you knew of him before wrestling. Yeah, so I'd heard of you... him. He was the only wrestler I could have really ever named up until mm, I was about 13 or so. And then I heard of Steve Austin. Yeah. And what, you mentioned kids had a lot of Hogan yeah. memorabilia. I think because it was one of those things that like maybe their older siblings or parents even had like figurines of him and it was just sort of one of those old dusty toys you yeah, end up inheriting yeah. I think it's maybe was... something like that I think well, I always viewed Hogan as being kind of like he was like Mr. T or something like that in that when I was growing up it was like oh that's something that was a big deal in the 80s yeah. This is the 1990s. Let's listen to some limp fucking biscuit. Yeah, let's tear it off. <laughs> you know, no time for you, old man. And for me, growing up as a wrestling fan, Hogan represented the old and the lame and ah, that's all. Oh, he did. Fake okay. wrestling. That's for me. Growing up, I despised Hogan. So when was Hulk Hogan coolest then? 1982 to 1989, I would say, would be the wow, peak of okay. Hulkamania. Hogan was very interesting. How he came into wrestling. Obviously, big dude, massive frame, looks amazing. He could talk. He worked for Vince's father originally, Mm. Vince McMahon Sr. Right. And it's actually quite funny. Vince Vince McMahon Sr. didn't really think much of Hulk Hogan (laughs) to the point that Hulk Hogan, he actually was... Because he he knew that he was going to become bigger than wrestling almost. He was friends with Sylvester Stallone. He's actually in Rocky Three. Right. Oh, well, yeah, I've heard this. Yeah, he was in Rocky Three, and Vince McMahon Sr., not to be ashamed because, of course, the wrestler character doesn't win or go over in the movie, yeah. didn't want his wrestler appearing <laughs> in wow. Rocky Three, and he was shown the door as a result of appearing in Rocky Three. Oh, my God, III. he was actually fired. Yeah, he was let go. No more Hulk Hogan in the then WWF. Wouldn't it have been funny if his career just ended there with just being in that movie, and then he'd never really gotten to be a... Yeah, imagine if Rocky Three was a flop, but yeah. I mean... Honestly, Rocky 1 and 2 had done quite well. So Rocky 3, I mean, it was right in the middle of the <laughs> franchise. Just to think now, because we always, you always are quite impressed, I think, with Vince and Stephanie and Triple H and how they yeah. can seize on marketing. The idea was kind of like, hey, I'm going to be in like the new Star Wars movie. You're fucking fired. <laughs> There's the door. <laughs> Don't come back. Hogan, I think, definitely savvy because he appeared in a lot of movies, a lot of TV shows. 
you know, a lot of commercials. It doesn't sound like all of them are that great, though. No, but I mean, <laughs> if someone's kind of like, oh yeah, Mr. Nanny, that wrestler's in that, you know, maybe we'll go watch that wrestling at the weekend. That's all that mattered for Hogan. Is and... it bad that the only Hulk Hogan film I can think of is, what was it, Santa with Muscles? Santa with Muscles, yeah. I honestly don't know any of the movies he's been in. Mr. Nanny... Three, uh, th- I think three ninjas, three um, high noon on Mega Mountain. I believe right. he's in there as well. <laughs> but yeah, Hogan again. Hogan worked for another company after Vince's dad showed him the door, which was called the AWA. And Hogan, he had the notoriety of being in Rocky. Everyone's like, "Holy shit, that's Thunderlips from the movie!" Oh mm-hmm. my god, really popular. And I mean, this was just showing how different wrestling was back then. The the owner of that company again was like. Why should you sell t-shirts? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> or like, if you sell t-shirts, why would you get the money? I'm the promoter. And That's so odd. Hogan was quite frustrated, I think, in the sense that he knew he had this money-making potential and marketability. And the wrestling promoters in the US were not seeing eye to eye with him on that. And he spent some time in Japan, even away from, from, from that. Enter Vince McMahon and him pulling the plug on wrestling is this old-timey thing and turning into cartoon, awesome, mega, rockin' wrestling. And who does Vince McMahon pick to be the figure of this? Who's the guy with all the, the volume and all the fans and the cartoon quality? It's Hulk Hogan. So Vince McMahon capitalized on Hogan as this figure. And the reason why the WWF really exists today is because Vince's figurehead was was Hulk Hogan, who was insanely popular. Wow. So, owes a lot, does Vince McMahon, to uh, to old Hulk Hogan, I think, at least in that respect. I still don't get it. It's like everyone was just blown over by the fact that he wore bright colours and had funny hair. He was was huge. He was like Hogan's six foot eight, 24-inch pythons. He's out there on TV every week saying... I train, I love America, I take my vitamins, I say my prayers, respect your elders. The thing I don't get about the size thing, right, okay, so he was, yeah. he was tall, sure, so he was popular. Uh-huh. But also, didn't he have an issue with, he wouldn't put over shorter wrestlers, he had an yeah. issue with, with shorter wrestlers. Definitely, yeah, big now, problem. Now, I don't see why, you're on a ring, right, yeah. you're away from, you never really get to see wrestlers near normal sized, you know, humans. I think it's funny because that's it's so skewed that even regular sized wrestlers are actually giants. Shane McMahon's as tall as me, folks, and that's I'm a so figurative weird. giant. And I always viewed him as being a little dude. Because I didn't realize Hulk Hogan was so tall until oh, you yeah. told me he was six foot eight, and I was like, "What?" I what? think he was maybe six foot three. Well, so your question though is that kind of to do with why is size important? No, my or? question is why don't they make the ring smaller for perspective? <laughs> Well, actually, when the WCW where Hogan went to did have a smaller ring, that could have possibly been one of his. Uh, <laughs> they could have had like I don't know, tiny buildings, in smaller the referees, and, you know, yeah. <laughs> make it look really big. <laughs> Just only hire short people to. Well, yeah, and I mean, I guess for us now, looking as wrestling fans, if we saw a figure like this and be kind of like, he does no moves, and you know, size doesn't matter; it's the talent of the wrestler. Yeah, wrestling in this form was such a new thing back then; it had just been opened up to this mass audience, and the kids and families and people who were getting into wrestling, they didn't care that it wasn't the most technically proficient guy. They, it was the cool, loud guy who had the cool music. Was in God, he was in Rocky, and he sounded cool, and I've got his T-shirt, and my parents think he's awesome as well because he tells me to take my vitamins and train and say my prayers. and It just was this wholesome, perfect moment of America and the world was in this pop culture era of Transformers and G.I. Joe and He-Man and Mr. T and all that, and... Hulk Hogan just fit right in there. I guess. He ticked all those boxes. Talk to anyone from the 80s who grew up with Hogan. 
I mean, that, you know, with the recent scandal and whatnot, it hit people hard because he was just so beloved during this time, you know? Yeah. An almost mythical figure, you know, a real-life cartoon superhero that was on your screens every day. It's simple because I have nothing to compare that to. I don't idolise, I don't think, anyone to that extent. There's no, well, there's no current wrestler at the moment that I'm like, I hold in such high regard. The little kids... We live with John Cena, who are like the super yeah. Cena fans. Can you, you know that kind of reaction? Imagine that, except the cynicism. They've grown up and yeah, he's I still mean, their idol. Maybe it harkens back to a simpler time when wrestling fans weren't cynical, but the fact is that it, it was widespread popularity and it was new, this kind of wrestling. The presentation was new. It seemed cool, fun, lively. And that's what WWF was built on, was right. Hogan and... The extent of Beyond Hogan, all the guys from this era in the 80s will go through the other ones like Randy Savage and Sergeant Slaughter, the Ultimate Warrior. The names... Sergeant Slaughter. I know. It sounds like a robot from Robot Wars. <laughs> but even just from the names alone, you can know it's like cartoony. You yeah. know, that's how it is. The realism, not important presentation. That was kind of what it was. And Hogan won the championship belt and was crowned as being the man. He beat the Iron Sheik for the championship. Vince kind of dusted his hands of the old-timey wrestling that was associated with his father. And Hogan held the belt. Guess how long his, his championship reign was, his main one, WWF. Mm. He might we complained about John Cena not losing for a year, and that seeming like an eternity. Okay, so it's longer than a year. Yeah. I don't know, like three years? More. Five, Five years. years. Oh, God. Five years. Jesus Christ. Five years! Can you imagine no, that? No, I can't. Why would I Five years. What's the point? You just look at a picture of him. And Hogan, you know, he he never, he obviously never lost. And we, we actually watched a couple of bits and bobs here. I think I showed you him and Mr. Perfect from just kind of the height yeah. of, you know, it was like 1984 or what, five or whenever, the height of Hulk Hogan's Hulkamania. And how would you describe the kind of matches that we watched from Hogan around the 80s? You tried to find me because we were sitting down talking about Hulk Hogan. I was saying, well, I still just think of him as this sort of tottering sort of wrestler because we've seen a lot of older Hogan matches yeah. and I thought oh is that a bit so skewed so maybe we should try and find something that bands out but shows his athleticism and so you tried to find me some better matches and yeah I thought still... Mr. Perfect who Hogan said was one of his favourite opponents and Mr. Perfect is definitely the type of wrestler you'd like smaller more athletic yeah. more technically gifted and wasn't exactly a barn burner that match no no <laughs> it felt very long and that took us to the first match, which we, we kind of really sat down and sucked our teeth into, which is was considered, I don't know anymore with the current standing, but it was considered the most iconic moment in wrestling for, for decades. And it was a moment which McMahon and Hulk Hogan built their legacies on, some could argue, which is Hulk Hogan, the defending WWF champion, in front of allegedly 93,000 people in Pontiac Silverdome at WrestleMania 3, taking on the mythical Andre the Giant. Had you heard of Andre before? Yeah, but only through watching wrestling because they have statues of him and stuff and they yeah. mentioned the Andre the Giant Memorial. And yeah, things. the Battle Royale and stuff like He's that. He's often so. referred to in clips and in Hall of Fame stuff. So I'd heard of him before. I knew he was a giant. Did you, he's, I, Andre always creeps me out, like, just in terms oh. of he looks in... He's, he has that stoic face, and when he talks, he's like, Hulk Hogan, I go get you in the ring. Ah. It just makes me sad because I imagine he was in so much pain was that evident in this match that andre was in pain he looked stiff yeah and i know that um when you i can't remember is it a condition yeah he had the 
basically the problem with the pituitary glands, which mm. made that he kept on growing. Kept growing, yeah. yeah. And I know that comes with a lot of health problems. Like... Skeleton essentially gets too big for yeah. the body. And... So I can only imagine, like, living with that on a day-to-day basis would be hard, let yeah. alone being a wrestler. So, yeah, pretty impressive. Yeah. The build for this one is, is, is the stuff of 1980s legend. It's pure kind of... Hogan versus the big evil monster. And that's how Hogan likes it, you know, when he has to topple this seemingly indestructible, despicable giant or monster or ghoul that's come to get him. And Andre had betrayed Hogan after years of friendship because Andre felt that Hogan hadn't given him a title shot and an opportunity. And his new manager, Bobby Heenan, a calculating sort, had turned Andre evil. And he, in a famous statement, he ripped the crucifix and shirt from Hulk Hogan's chest symbolizing that their uh, bond of friendship was broken forever. Yeah. And then, like, they were pressing him, like, Hulk, are you going to fight Andre at WrestleMania? I know he's your friend. Are you going to fight him? Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Before they locked up in the build, what did you think of it, like? What, just the promo Just the promo and the kind of Hogan's acting and the story set up. It's something about Hulk Hogan that really bothers me is that he has just a constant same tone of his voice I find it very difficult to understand what he's saying because he doesn't express (laughs) that's true he's not got many um... I find I zone out like just from the constant barrage of of threats (laughs) Hogan promos I could do all day that's just the cadence though he's always you know, he Tell never. You what, I could not listen to that all day. Yikes! I know what I'm going to do now. If no. uh, if like I I need like you know I feel like maybe Joe could help me out in the kitchen or something or you know maybe she could tell you know something Joe Gray what <laughs> I've seen that stinky Rudy Poo garbage sitting there in the cat I'll just even all though right, it's a I'll job do it. I'll just do it you know yeah I, all the Hulkamaniacs I had to strap back just to get you to take out the trash Jack you know it might work um. So yeah, Hogan and Andre, this one, locking up these two, they came out in the front of that giant crowd. Was that impressive? Oh God, yeah. The um, alleged 93,000 people? Yeah, because we were trying to work out when we how many were in SummerSlam this year in the Barclays Centre. 16,000 in the Barclays Centre. Around that, yeah. That's so weird. Mm. So so strange to think that wrestling was so popular back when wrestling was so rubbish yeah <laughs> and now it's really good yeah and there's not nearly as many people watching it yeah i mean i think that's balls the fandom is is it's how it was me- measured back then and now is different and obviously i think in some respects it's definitely down in other respects it might be higher i imagine they're I mean, making more money but yeah it's a bigger business i think yeah. now than it was back then so hulk hogan coming out this is obviously you'd seen a lot of hogan he came back to WWE for his brief stint before departing for racist comments. And so you'd seen him a bit around as an older dude. Yeah. Seeing Hogan here in essentially his prime in the middle of his big five-year title reign. What did you make to them? What do you think how that look that he came out with? He looks aroused. <laughs> because of his big eyes. He I know, he's the, just got this like aroused face. He's got the big eyes. He does the kind of the eyebrows moving, the eyes bulging and out. Yeah. His lips kind of quiver a little face bit. His face gets red. Yeah, I think he does get genuinely turned on by all the, the Hulkamaniacs. Just, just so we're clear, Hulkamania is basically the... Uh, the, the air of mystery and fandom that surrounds Hulk Hogan, the, the character and the wrestler. And if you are a follower of that, that makes you a Hulkamaniac. Is the Hulk, is he a cult leader? You could view it as that, yeah. And then his disciples would be his, his Hulkamaniacs. Right. I don't think there's too many 
Hulkamaniacs left anymore now. I hope not. No, you you no, think he retweets so? Retweets enough of them. So yeah, Hulkamania, Hulk Hogan, Hulkamaniacs, and Hulking up, which we'll get to uh, later on. Mm. Hogan, the color of the man. I mean, he is technically Caucasian, but he is pushing the boundaries. He is an uncomfortable color. It's like a purpley kind of brown. Hot dog hot under dog, pressure. Yeah, he is like a, a hot dog. So he comes in and he tears his t-shirt off. Yeah, the Hogan thing. He comes out. He cups his hand to his ear to, to look to the crowd. Is he that, listening to the wind? He's he listening to see the winds of the winds of change in the air, yeah. like you know, listening to see if he's any any people who we can retweet under false pretenses. Listen really Tell carefully. Tell us, Hogan, what Tell do your some. Hogan ears hear? So yeah, he does that and he does it to the four corners, and then he rips off his t-shirt. That's the it whole looks Hogan like it thing. Melts off him. He I'm is, very confused about that. Is it a weaker material than an average T-shirt? Or? Well, like they've gotten a T-shirt and like sanded it down, yeah. kind of. <laughs> more. Does he hire like children to wear his T-shirts for years so that they're really flimsy and weak? So have you ever tried off? to rip open a T-shirt? Yeah, I've tried. It's, it's difficult, isn't it's really it? Really hard. Now, I will say in this area era here, how he did it. And I, if you notice, on the front of his collar, there's a little kind of a V in there, a little kind of nick. Oh, right. So he does cut that thick collar part of the T-shirt so that the kind of, ah. there's an opening there. So he'll grab that, and then as he's tearing open, because there's have to go through that collar, yeah. it'll tear a lot easier. And on the back as well, obviously the sleeves are cut off. On the back, he'll do like lines or strips or whatever, which will kind of soften up a little bit and give him some purchase. I will say, though, from some later Hogan matches we watched where he looks like he's difficulty dressing himself, yeah. that is probably some sort of special fabric toilet pa- crepe yeah, paper top. top. But here I think that was just a Hogan t-shirt, slightly modified, Okay. using those 24-inch pythons to, uh, to, great, to great effect. And the match starts and these two lock up and go at it. And yeah, how would you describe the action? It's really slow. Mm. It was a slow match in general. I think slow is being disrespectful to the the term slow. Like (laughs) slow is not that slow. How dare you? Glacial, I would say. At one point, um, to to show how slow it actually is, at one point, like Hogan avoids a punch or something. Like that's all he does, and the crowd shit themselves. Oh yeah, because Andre the Giant is like he'll punch him, he'll kill the man. A lot of people in that crowd will probably. Honestly, even though Vince was very forthright that it was entertainment, a lot of people in that crowd would thought that Hulk Hogan was legitimately fighting for his life. Oh, man. That's that's the God's honest truth. And that, Yikes. I think, is where you get that kind of level of, <gasps> No! Not a headbutt! Hulk, no! They would, I think they'd actually die if they tried to watch any modern wrestling. Honestly, I think when so. When you get, like... All the wrestlers with their cinder blocks and stuff. Brock Lesnar with an axe. They do. I mean, they do react here to like simple punches and kicks. Yeah. Like I react to, to like because you know when I see like a move that I've never seen before, something that scares me, I'm like ah, you know, I'll, mm. I'll go crazy. And they're reacting like this with every fell swoop. And Hogan, as slow as this match is, has this crowd in the palm of his hand. He does. And somehow. it's somehow under some just, strange spell. I just don't get it. It's 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 very slow, folks. I mean, honestly, I've seen houses be conceived and done to completion, even with numerous delays and grand designs, faster than the pace of this match. I remember at one point you went out of the room to make a cup of tea, and when you came back, you were like, "Oh, he's still in the headlock, is he?" Yeah, he was still in the headlock. You made cups of tea in mm. the time it taken for him to still be in a headlock. What were your favourite moves that Hulk Hogan did? What do you? <sighs> what moves did he do? Well, he has punch, <laughs> kick. <laughs> He's like 
like one of those really old school video game characters. You know, you've got A and B. Yeah. B to punch, A to kick. That's Hulk Hogan, basically. And he can do the leg drop as well, don't and forget. And he can do a leg drop. Uh, the Hulkamania leg drop. And he sometimes, like, does that shaky thing and he becomes really strong or something. Yeah, hooking up more on that later. So, yeah, Hogan was legitimately two minutes unconscious in that rest hold. <laughs> it was... It was really, really boring. Right, I've written down in my notes, two minutes now. <laughs> two minutes? He was in that fucking chokehold thing. Yeah. Even Andre looked bored. Andre like, looked like he looked like he was, he was falling asleep, like he was just in this nice, embracing his friend. Uh, Andre looked in such discomfort with this whole match. He Honestly, he could barely stand up, you mm. know, and he was trying to do moves in this here. So Hogan at one point, after being beaten down for most of the match enters an enhanced state of Hulkamania referred to as hulking up. Hulking up is a brief period of immunity where Hulk Hogan is immune to all offences that is thrown at him, renders his opponent helpless to the point that he can only throw punches and look on helplessly as Hogan goes, you, and wags his finger back and forth in a sassy manner. Right. And then become victim to a barrage of punches. Hogan's I finisher. don't understand hulking up at all. Is, is it an actual reference to the Incredible Hulk? Because is it like with Hulk Hogan? Yeah. Is this a power he can control, or is it something that like overcomes him, like a kind of like a euphoric trance? Well, no. Like, is is it like the actual Hulk that he can't control his powers? I will say when this was originally conceived, possibly that may have been the idea. But following a lawsuit with Marvel, where Hulk Hogan cannot be referred to as being incredible, and they're oh, very specific God. about that. I don't think that hulking up is meant to be that we consider him like turning into a larger form. Uh, it's not like, yeah, like manga where it's like, oh, this is my real form now. You know, Hulk Hogan, he's hooked up to the next power level. So or what whatever. is it then? It's just that like he's overcome. This is pure kayfabe, my rationale here now. So I'm not saying this to make sense. I'm saying this in their logical okay. world. Hulk Hogan is beaten down to a, a point of seemingly no return. But literally the love and adoration of all the Hulkamaniacs literally like Care Bear-esque inspires him with this surge of godlike energy which seems to come from nowhere. Are you serious? This is actually That's canon. basically this it like because they... Hogan be like oh you know all my little Hulksters they're going to help me win this match because I'm, 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 I'm on my back Jack I can't do nothing and then everyone cheers for him everyone believes in Hulk Hogan they'll help him Hulk up and uh, defeat the baddie by doing in that. In one match that we watched he did the Hulking up thing like one minute into the match. Mm-hmm. He can hook up. I mean, there's so phases of... worn down really quickly. There's sometimes where he can be in an ambient state of hulking, of hulking up. Right. An ambient like aura of Hulkamania mm-hmm. where he's just kind of there and someone tries to push him and he'll push him back yeah. and just go, rah, dude, you know? That can also happen. But the main hulking up is essentially like a hot tag to himself. <laughs> Late in the match where it's kind of like, all right, now, now I'm going to win now, you know? Right. One thing I will say about him is that, because a lot of other wrestlers, John Cena as well, essentially hulk up where they just no-sell their opponent's offense and get up and act like nothing's wrong. At least Hulk Hogan's got a name for it and has had the decency to come up with an absurd rationale behind it. Isn't it just second wind? More or less. Second wind inspired by the hearts and minds and beliefs (laughs) of of God-fearing, non-secular Hulkamaniac children. (laughs) Okay? So that's very, very important. And, um, yeah, Hogan gets the, the body slam, the slam heard around the world. Hogan picks, Hogan picks up Andre over his head, slams him to the mat, hits him with the leg drop, one, two, three. Mm. 
that was the most iconic moment in the history of wrestling for many, many years. Anyone would, would say Hogan slamming Andre the Giant, kind of, in a way, a passing of the torch from Andre would have been the star of the 70s, really, to Hogan to be the star of the 80s. And Andre, like, never really lost clean. And they said at the time no one had ever slammed Andre the Giant. But obviously, there was a guy in Japan who had done it. <laughs> right. You don't, you don't know about that because it's 1984 and fuck you, there's no internet. Way. <laughs> we can tell you whatever bullshit we want. Yeah, no one ever slammed Andre the Giant. Cool, grand. And this kind of, even though Hogan had won the belt a few years before, this really solidified him as being like the, the absolute man, you know. Unequivocally, Hulk Hogan runs this, this business. And the next several years, Hogan, every WrestleMania headlined by Hulk Hogan, you know, there was a WrestleMania where Hulk Hogan was meant to headline against Ric Flair for the championship. Didn't happen. Flair took on Randy Savage for the championship. But Hulk Hogan fought some other guy in the main event e- anyway, even though it wasn't for the championship. What? Because Hulk Hogan, he goes on last. He's the, 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 the star. And anytime anyone else won the belt, it was usually only for a brief period while Hulk Hogan would eventually kind of worm his way back into the, the spotlight Ugh. so a lot of the kind of stuff that people hate John Cena for again you would yeah. see with Hogan although with Hogan I would say John Cena doesn't seem like a particularly selfish guy well he does spend a huge amount of his time doing Make-A-Wish for you know Hogan did before children. Cena Hogan was the Make-A-Wish guy oh really yeah he was the, the wrestling Make-A-Wish guy so I will say that they for really him they really are quite similar then aren't they don't think there'll be many Make-A-Wish requests for Hulk Hogan now unless there's a racist child dying of some sort of cancer or, yeah. or whatnot. I don't think uh, <laughs> Hogan's going to be summoned to many childhood bedsides no. but yeah Hogan a lot of this time though with Hogan is kind of non-stop he was on top throughout the peak of this whole Hulkamania era the 80s non-stop Hogan he's the guy people want to watch wrestling because of Hulk Hogan and it kind of got a little bit stale at some points. Really? Yeah. That's really shocking. You wouldn't have thought. I mean, I never would have thought that would ever happen. It kind of went downhill from mm. WrestleMania three there, and as crazy <laughs> as it may seem, the attendance, the interest in Hogan, even Hogan's interest itself in wrestling began to dwindle at one point. Hogan kind of felt that he could go and do, you know, movies in Hollywood, and he thought wrestling was holding him back. The crowds were getting smaller. Because this, the peak was was going down, yeah, you know, it was the same old ding dong. People weren't as into it anymore, and yeah, Hogan kind of felt was he was becoming bigger than wrestling and kind of drifted away. I'm starting my own thing. It's called Hulking. It's called no, it's called Thunder in Paradise, which is a bullshit TV show that Hogan was in, and oh. you know all the shitty movies that he was in. That kind of happened. We cut back to WrestleMania Nine, where in Hulk Hogan's absence. A new generation of wrestlers is starting to try and kind of gain traction and they're trying to shift away into a, a new era of guys. People like Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, yeah. Yokozuna are coming up. Names like Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. These are all guys we'll do episodes on eventually. Good, because I have no idea who most of them are. <laughs> it's it's a wrestling, it's a dark but very interesting and oftentimes amazing period in, in wrestling. Not very successful business-wise, but in terms of what they were putting on, really right. fun. Hogan saunters back in, basically, for WrestleMania. And it's kind of like, right, Hogan's just in a regular match at WrestleMania, but the main event is Bret Hart, the champion, defending against Yokozuna, the challenger. Mm-hmm. Our new guys, new stars, putting them over. <laughs> that doesn't sound much like Hulk Hogan. Something much Hulk Hogan. And what happens at the end of this, of this ridiculous encounter? 
I, I just put it on to see if Joe could figure out kind of what was going on here. Bret Hart and Yokozuna have a, a lengthy match, which Yokozuna wins by unsalubrious means. Yeah. Then Yokozuna ends up fighting Hulk Hogan, who just appears. He just runs in. It's and like, then Yokozuna, like, challenges him to a fight for some reason. I don't know why. Basically, Bret Hart fainted, Vincent ran through in his second Pokemon, which is like, ah, this is my level 100, which I only use in special occasions. Are they allowed to do that? Is that how it works? Not typically in wrestling. And even though Hulk Hogan had no intentions of staying around, and even though Hulk Hogan was officially, in his mind, done with wrestling, Hulk Hogan came out and just won the belt in literally 10 seconds. Yeah. Making Yokozuna look like a fucking idiot. Yeah. And Bret Hart looking like an absolute pipsqueak. Mm. Next night, Hogan's gone and Yoko and Bret are still there. It's just... And people hold this against him because it feels like he's coming in and literally slashing and burning. So he gets the reaction and the moment and the belt and oh, Hogan's back. Wrestling's nothing without Hulk Hogan, really, is it, folks? Tough shit. He's not going to be there anyway. (laughs) He's not going to be there anyway. Go watch a shit movie with him in if you want to see him now. I, you want to see... Uh, you you interestingly pointed out that you're kind of like, well, how is this different from like Money in the Bank or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I didn't you know? really understand. I think maybe because we didn't watch the whole match. But I didn't really quite get why it was different from, say, when someone cashes in the Money in the Bank or, or something like that. When you get like a... Sc- is it a screw finish? A, screwy, a screwy finish. Yeah, yeah, it seems to happen quite a lot. Didn't understand why this was so important i guess it's because if you look at it this way seth he recently cashed in money in the bank at wrestlemania what's the storyline there seth is that no good sleazy bastard even though he knows it's not right and it's not fair he sneaks in and wins the championship god damn it i want to see seth Rollins get beaten up he doesn't deserve to be champion that's your story there okay hulk hogan here coming out is literally like well or kind of interim hero bret hart failed to defeat the evil bad guy here comes Hulk Hogan, the guy we used to like when wrestling was more popular than it is now. He wins and he's gone again. It just makes you seem that, yeah, wrestling's kind of shitty at the moment. Did and he have a lot of power then with like a lot huge. of influence on what happened? Hogan had what would be known as later formally, here kind of informally, a creative control. Now this is something you've mentioned several times yeah. and it's often propped up in conversations we have outside of the podcast and every time it comes up you're like no 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 no, i can't talk about this creative control basically is if a wrestler is in a certain position of power he may be able to have a veto on a, on a storyline or an angle or i don't think i look too good coming out in this one brother maybe i should win this one right. or kind of that creative control could could extend to Vince McMahon going, well, that's the finish. Brett's going to beat Yokozuna at WrestleMania and your creative control might be stepping and going, yeah, but you know what really would make the fans happy, Vince, is if me, Hulk Hogan, came out and won instead. So who gets creative control? Those people who seemingly have more power over the organization than the organization has over them. Hogan, so the really famous ones. People like Hogan, a lot of the top people in... WCW was notorious for it, where they would lure away guys from Vince McMahon with the promises of work less dates, get more money, and you have say over your character. Oh. And Hogan really kind of pioneered that. As you can probably tell, as WCW's not around anymore, yeah, that's can't. poison. Yeah, I can't really imagine that every wrestler is particularly good at writing lengthy no. storylines which don't benefit like No, and surprisingly, character. who comes out looking well out of the three people in this whole encounter? 
Hulk Hogan looks pretty good in that, doesn't he? Yeah. That creative control is pretty sweet, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, Hogan at WrestleMania 9. I want to talk a little bit now at this point about the many promos of Hulk Hogan. I sat you down through an onslaught ranging from the spectacular to the downright bizarre. Yeah. First and foremost, we had... The Apple Pie Indian Strap Match, Jack. Apple Pie. The Apple Pie, dude. The thing, the most important thing about the Apple Pie Strap Match, Joe, is flexibility of the wrist to get the body in the proper position for the strapation, dude. <laughs> and this is a meme in of itself. What did you reckon to the Apple Pie? It was weird. <laughs> He's such a weird man. Proper hot dog man. He's like bright red. Full- like, if he was a Digimon, he'd be the third stage evolution that's, like, giant hot dog monster. <laughs> Three-headed, like, yeah. you know, something to do. And he talks in this promo at length. He want, he's going to have a Yappa Pie Indian death, a Yappa Pie Indian strap match with Ric Flair. And uh, he's going to whip him with this belt, which will cause his skin to bubble and melt and his flesh to dissolve from his body. It was quite horrifying, really. <laughs> yeah, so um, pretty intense one. The other one which people sent to us en masse for the Hulk Hogan promos, and this was a mean one. A lot of people just sent this in with no context, which is Hulk Hogan flubbing his lines in a promo oh, with Vince McMahon. If, so if you actually think... Hang on, Joe, let me say it one more time so you're absolutely... Clear. If you actually think in, in, I was just the right gay guy okay. at the wrong place at the right time, I say it right now, McMahon. <laughs> I had a match with the rock with you a couple of weeks. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> Sam uh, Sam Chaplin from Cinema Swell. Uh, he has like an obsession, doesn't he, with botched interviews awkward kind of moments like when people stumble over their words this is it i imagine he would love this one yeah and another one here which was sent was from uh, adam bibolo who myself and adam went through what can only be described as an unhealthy hulk hogan phase a few years ago where we were just obsessed with the worst of hogan and that brings us to a uh, promo from hulk hogan you can find this on youtube it's hogan talking about his restaurant his restaurant pasta mania I had no idea he had a restaurant until you made me watch this. It's so weird. I mean, you got to really ask yourself in times like this, Joe, what are you going to do when Pastamania runs wild on you? I've been eating so many Hulkaroos, you know. I've got all my Hulkamaniacs here. They're eating their carbs. and He's eating lo- And It's funny here because... Um, Hogan, he's uh, looking a little bit trim here, and he's talking about eating loads of pasta. Yeah, mate, that is literally the opposite. Of pasta, that's not gonna. Poor Pete. No wonder everyone thinks pasta is so healthy for you. Just imagine, like some you know, one of those like, kind of healthy adverts where like a healthy-looking lady yeah. in like white pants walks down a crystal staircase and says, "I've eaten nothing but pasta for the last two weeks, <laughs> and I got my bikini body." It would never happen. No. I ate nothing but pasta for two weeks, and now I hate summer and I don't want to go outside anymore. Why have you done this to me, Hulk Hogan? You said your Hulkaroos would rejuvenate me. Is that what the pasta was called, Hulkaroos? Those were a type of his... I think that was the only one that Hogan knew the name of, because he, he name-dropped it a hundred times in the in the promo. And the promo at one point, where he's literally just going, Hulkamania, Pastamania, Hulkamania, Pastamania... <laughs> And he promises in his opponent he is going to fill him. He's going to oh, force feed 
feed him. Yeah. He's going to force feed him. He's going to kill him, force feed him pasta, and then kill him again? Or yeah, something? basically. I keep forgetting as well that that isn't an advert. It's, well, I mean, it is an advert, but it's it's an actual promo. That was a promo against during an opponent, a, a TV like, show, yeah. That's so strange. It just seems like a... Oh, I don't know. It's weird. And I mean, I can tell you right now, blender, energy drink, grills... Uh, Hogan has attached his name to every infomercial piece of shit product you can think really? about. Really? Yeah, Hogan constantly, you know, is always branding himself nonstop. And you can look at it from the point of view going, oh, that's really smart. He's hustling. He's really getting himself out there. Anything he can make money off his image from because it's an iconic look. Cool, right? And then you look at it from the point of view is the man is a shill, mm. you know? And I'm, look, I'm saying that with all due respect to fucking... People who hustle to get your know, money out of any way they can, you know. But <laughs> Hogan just there was nothing he wouldn't do, it would seem. Pastamania. Didn't um didn't he claim that he was originally offered the George The Foreman George Foreman grill. grill, yeah. Right. I said it before and I say it again. Surprisingly, the George Foreman grill was designed for George fucking Foreman. Well I imagine it was before it was named, wasn't it? Hogan or... has this bullshit line which is I was in the shower, dude, strapping Hulkamaniacs off my back, Jack, and I missed the phone call, and that was the phone call <laughs> for... Because you know how business deal works. Yeah. So, guys, I'm sorry. He didn't answer the phone. We can't go yeah. through it. Scrap the branding. Get marketing on the horn. We can't, yeah. we can't do the product. One he, shot at he, a phone call. He, if you you, you know what up. they say. Yeah. You've got one chance to mm-hmm. make a product. And that's why we have the internet now, because before it was just like they'd ring them and go, well... No product. Can't even fax it. That probably doesn't even exist. There'll be no Christmas, I'll tell the children. <laughs> yeah, Hogan claims that he missed the phone call. And I reckon this is giving him all the fucking, you know, this is giving him all the uh, benefit of the doubt in the world, mm. if you were to take that point of view. I would say it's not impossible that Hulk Hogan was on a list of people that George Foreman was at the fucking top of, and Hogan was probably somewhere down. What if? The bottom. What if he was offered it and he turned it down because he thought it was a shit idea or would he just never turn it down? If you offered it, if you turn on the George Foreman grill with his patented design that drains well, that the fat off the food, then you're why, an idiot. Like, well, I mean, that would make sense why he suddenly then said that he missed the phone call. It'd be funny if he turned out he actually was offered it and he made a stupid decision. That, I mean, again, if, if that was the case, like, fucking hell. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm saying glad they went with George Foreman because you can imagine now everyone had to get rid of their racist yeah. home appliance because the George Foreman is a, is also, a household word. Like. I guess the link does kind of make sense, though, with Hulk Hogan and grilling meats. He looks like a sort of slightly burned hot dog. So. He does, yeah. You I mean, get your hot dogs, Hulk Hogan red, brother. Use you the could Hulk- actually <laughs> buy, he could have sold... Um, if he'd been really clever, little Hulk Hogan hot dogs that looked like him. Yeah, there you go. With little mustaches on them made out of mustard. Fry them in your Hulk Hogan grill. Yeah, perfect. They did make a Hogan grill eventually. And it was like, it was really... (laughs) It's just like, you know when someone walks on Dragon's Den and straight away Duncan Bannatyne's eyebrows just say, I'm fucking oot. That's basically (laughs) what this product was. It was like circular and like, it's better than a George Foreman grill in that it's worse in every way possible. (laughs) But um, the other, on the other promo, moving away from Pastelania that we, that we were kind of wanted to show Joe on mass, which is Hogan known for the cartoons. And after this, he obviously went to, uh, to WCW and Hogan very much liked to fight his, his monsters, his giants, his ghouls, his goblins. Yeah. And no more so than when he went to WCW after leaving WWF, 
He was given all the monsters in the world he could possibly fight in the guise of the Dungeon of Doom. And we watched uh. when Hogan entered the mythical lair of the Taskmaster and the Grandmaster themselves. Yeah. It's like a really bad B-movie. I thought it was like Korean knockoff Power Rangers. <laughs> yeah. It reminded me a bit of like Labyrinth, only really shit. It's not hot! Uh. Who are you? I've never been here before. There are no Hulkamaniacs here. Was he still in films at that point? Straight like to DVD, a... I would say. Yeah, yeah, so this is maybe a him attempt of like adding it to a showreel. I think so. I, th- I think they just thought that people wanted to see the kids were are the the idea. I guess was kids like wrestling, kids like action figures, kids like ghouls and goblins. If kids watch wrestling because of this goofy shit and you know bad guys to beat up. You know, those are good fans to have because they'll buy t-shirts, they'll go take their parents to see live shows. But it was a swing and a miss. And Hulk Hogan being beaten up by the giant who appears in this segment as well. (laughs) Who you were surprised to find out was... uh, Was Big Show. Was Big Show all along. You were like, you'll... I can't remember what you said. You were like, oh, we'll just wait till you... uh, Just wait till you see who it is. And he came out and I was like, who is it? It's like like, a giant... Who is it? (laughs) No, no, just wait. (laughs) There's like this giant bourbon cream which he breaks out of. He's like, I am a, I am a giant. It's quite impressive, is Big Show. This is one thing I'm learning from the podcast is that Big Show used to be quite intimidating. Yeah, he's very young there as well, yeah. actually. So yeah, uh, Dungeon of Doom, what were your, what were your thoughts on oh, it then? it was great. Yeah. His best promo ever. Fucking. <laughs> I, there was a part where Kevin Sullivan, the, the shorter blonde dude, where it was just going on and on and you just bust your whole laugh and where he's like this is a place where shadows and darkness dwell your rare bengal tiger powers cannot save you all. And it's, what is it no so, this is wrestling so was that like kayfabe storyline going on there well the, did the, that carry on into anything else or it kind of well it's funny because we talk about hogan in wcw and you know obviously the dungeon doom quite goofy the next moment we're coming to here, which is a very significant one, which saw WCW move away from that kind of cartoony crap and not just reinvent Hulk Hogan, but reinvent WCW and possibly the wrestling business as a whole, came up very shortly after this, which was the New World Order being formed, which is a very pivotal moment where wrestling got a hard dose and a hard, much-needed injection of cool, different, edgy, whatever you want to call it, Hulk Hogan turning bad guy at Bash at the Beach, 1996. Hulk Hogan comes out and betrays the WCW wrestlers he was meant to be with and joins the evil outsiders and he cuts this big promo on the crowd. What did you think of this moment, Joe? So first of all, I have a question about the name. Yes. New World Order. Mm-hmm. That not that a conspiracy theory? It, it, the conspiracy theorists, yes, that's yeah. true. The New World Order. But it was it was appropriated for use in wrestling in that... They were overthrowing the old regime and replacing it with a new world order, which is oh, kind of... okay. Although Hogan doesn't call it that, does he? No, he calls it the new world organisation. He forgets, forgets what it's called. I don't know why. Even though they both mean the same things, the word order is so much more intimidating and grandiose than organisation. Yeah. The new world organisation sounds like if David Cameron was secretly yeah. trying to control the world. <laughs> it's like <laughs> admin folk back in the background. I dream of a seven-day new world organisation that each and every Briton is entitled to if they pay fuckloads of taxes and can't have spare bedrooms. So does the new world order's beliefs, do they tie in at all with the conspiracy theory of the emergence of a totalitarian world government? 
Um, I think the totalitarian world government of the New World Order was Hogan in command, basically. <laughs> and this is cool because Hogan was, you know, this ridiculous cartoon character that, you know, this is 1996. This is over 10 years after he slammed Andre. We were, you know, think how sick and tired you are would be of that same ding dong, the same fucking cartoony bullshit. They tried so hard. When he wrestled WCW, people were so sick of him, they would boo him nonstop. Oh, I didn't realise they were sick of oh, him. Oh, well and truly. Oh, okay. And WCW had spent big bank on Hogan, obviously, a big price. He has to he has to get to promote his Pastamania, his movies, all that bullshit. And they're not seeing a return on the investment here, yeah. you know? It's quite kind of scary. So, obviously, this moment here turning it around, turning Hogan heel and kind of saying, yeah, I'm sick and tired of this of this bullshit. People, you're booing me. I'm doing all this charity stuff. I love this promo from Hogan because he, he taps into this. He's very good, actually, in, mm. this, in this bit. And the fans are upset. <laughs> yeah, they start throwing stuff on stage. They throw so much like stuff tomatoes, on stage. tomatoes, food. It's funny, the, yeah. uh, the booker at the time of this show, a guy named Kevin Sullivan, who was the short blonde dude in that oh, silly yeah. promo, he actually was the booker. And he kind of planned this. And his rationale was is that he said that the arena where they did it had like something like 25 bars on the block. And he goes, it was Sunday in the late afternoon. Those people weren't in church before they came in to see this. He knew that the people would be drunk, pissed off, and would basically cause this riotous scene. And the next day... The wrestling world is a buzz. Hogan was pelted with garbage at the yeah. pay. What? This is insane. And wrestling became very, very cool at this point then. Right. Okay. Because that's what something I was curious about. Because obviously when we covered it, when Steve Austin yes. turned heel, it was considered a, quite a bad move. Bad move. Yeah, definitely. Whereas it was a good move for Hulk Hogan. Yes. Because Austin turned heel at the end of a hot period where he was the top guy, okay. you know, the top good guy. Him turning heel there was kind of like, ah, that's not what we want to see. We like cheering so you, Steve. It's too it. soon. People didn't want to see it. Hogan here, people had been booing him. Like, I remember at a pay-per-view before this, to, in a desperate attempt to get the crowd to cheer for Hulk Hogan, he was accompanied to the ring. By The Rock, who <laughs> booed him anyway. <laughs> Double whammy. Accompanied to the ring by Mr. T and wow. Shaquille O'Neal. Oh my God. Basically, you might as well give everyone in the audience 10 bucks and say, just cheer for me, please, mate. Yeah. You know? <laughs> So they were so sick of him, and it was the end of a really stinky streak of lame stuff. Hogan turns heel, and Hogan starts coming out now with the cool bad guys, Hall and Nash, you know, with the dark, you know, the white sunglasses, the yeah. dark stubble, the white beard. Hogan's throwing up gang signs, you know, wearing his his do rag and his tuck is, you know, he's dressed like he's in Boys in the Hood, basically appropriating rap culture from South Central, right. and that was the kind of the New World Order vibe. Hogan's not cool. Like he's not cool. He's not hip. He's not in touch with. What, what you mean now or then? Ever, I don't think. Oh, okay, right. I never thought he was, but Hogan was People able. People would consider him cool, though, wouldn't they? I think they would have in the eighties, but in the nineties, he was as naff as he could be. Okay. You know, but Hogan looked and he saw these cool younger wrestlers who were on to something, and Hogan literally kind of went, "Right, me and them then." And Hogan was put in this NWO and became the biggest star in wrestling again. Except this time, he was the bad guy. And he got another four or five years on top, even though Hogan seemingly was expired. And of course, they broke pay-per-view records, ratings records. They started beating WWF in the ratings. Oh, Hogan wow. Hogan was on top of the world. Because if you think about it, he was in WWF when he was the top guy there. It was the top company in the world. But WCW a distant second. Mm. And now he's in WCW and it's the top company in the world. WWF is a distant second. Wow. 
bit of an ego you could imagine would be developed, and rightfully so at this yeah, point. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so Hogan, NWO, really hitching his wagon there onto something. And I mean, I don't want to get into too much NWO or WCW stuff now. Those will be separate episodes. And I will say as well, actually, about Hogan, he's pretty much going to become a recurring character on this podcast. <laughs> Anytime we talk about anyone right. from the 80s or 90s, Hogan's uh. going to come up in some shape or form. Needs to say, WCW went out of business at the end of 2001, and Hogan was on guaranteed money still, so... You know, his contract was covered. He got a couple of million dollars for doing nothing. Wow. Which was nice. Eventually, he did find his way back to the WWE as part of the NWO still. And he feuded with The Rock. We watched that. was a match which we watched a while ago. One of the first ones I introduced you to. The Rock and Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 18. Mm. And that was, again, Hogan found more life, more longevity. Because now he was back in the company he was gone from for so long. Right. And you got... All these dream matches. The Rock and Hulk Hogan. I imagine he liked The Rock a lot. Oh, yeah. Big, big Big, big guy. Yeah, big guy. Handsome dude. Yeah. Hogan basically thought The Rock was like him, but not as good, I basically yeah. would imagine. And, you know, they feud for a bit. He was, you know, WWE for, for quite a bit of time, and he really, really kind of got another, another run, basically. He was champion again, even though he was 47. So is, this, is he still in the new world... After his match point. with The Rock, he, he ended up going back to classic, happy, yellow and red Hulk Hogan. Right. So he just basically had 80s Hulk Hogan again, except it was 2002 and 2003. Ugh. And it was weird. It Hulk- was weird at the time then, because it seems weird. I mean, Hulk Hogan and Chris Jericho wrestling. It's just I don't know much about Chris Jericho. But like mate. kind of smaller athletic guys and, you know, just him wrestling these other guys it was quite strange but he hung around for a while again and he was selling loads of merchandise and getting paid big money you know during this time as well hogan he ended up getting a reality tv show oh yeah i remember you mentioning that hogan knows best i thought that might be something that you knew him from i have seen an episode of it yeah but i (laughs) this is gonna sound ridiculous to wrestling fans but before i really knew much about wrestling Although I'd heard of Hulk Hogan, I often got him confused with David Hasselhoff. And then, but, yeah, I just got them confused in my head all the time. <laughs> so I wasn't thinking of, oh, this is that wrestler guy. I was thinking of, oh, it's one of the two guys that are a bit muscly and very iconic from era gone by. <laughs> that doesn't bode well for Hulk Hogan if he's getting mixed up with the with David Hasselhoff. <laughs> with the like. half. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, Hogan knows best. Just you know, Hogan branding, you know, making money off this. It, the main point of Hogan Knows Best was to help make his daughter a star. Yeah, wasn't it a bit... He's He was referred to as the incestuous father in a review I read. Mm. Hogan has got a little bit too close with his daughter. I'm, I'm not saying anything, I'm just saying... So what that, counts as too close, then? There yes. are... Well, there's all like on the show he kind of played up the overbearing father. It was like the Osbournes kind of thing. It's like, oh, no one's going to date my daughter, brother. No one's good enough for Brooke. You know, that kind of thing. Okay. And then you see, like... Or you think, oh, that's just kind of playing up for the cameras or whatever. Then you see the photos of Hogan applying suntan lotion to his daughter's bottom. You B- know? Bottom? Yeah. I thought you were going to say back. No, bottom. And it's kind of like Joe, Joe's it. Googling as he speak. Hulk Hogan uh, Hulk bottom? Hogan daughter suntan lotion, maybe. Or Sun lotion. God, your recommended image. Your save search preferences are going to be all out of whack with this one okay seemingly being too close to to brook for for yikes that one yeah i know there's one where he's kind of 
For lack of a better term, folks, I know it's an audio podcast and you can't see the picture. Joe, do not tweet this from the Twitter account. I know it's good. But he's right in there, let's just say. He's right in there. He's right in there. His hand's right between her legs. And Hogan left WWE as well around this time. You know, he, he, he again had disagreements with the company. He was doing his reality show stuff. Would find his way back eventually. But we had a lot of dark shit starts happening for Hulk Hogan. Really dark shit. And we talked about his son getting involved in a very serious motor accident. Which ended up with the person in the passenger seat who was with his son. Who was not wearing a seatbelt. And was a war veteran. Ended up basically being put in a coma. And now needs assisted living for the rest of his life. Oh my god. And the allegations was that Hogan was racing them. And the allegations was that Hogan had given them drinks as well. Hogan's son ended up spending time in prison as a result of that. Also as well around this time as well in relation to uh, his wife. Hogan apparently cheated on her during the filming for the reality show. She divorced Hogan and apparently got something like 70 or 80% of the assets. Leaving Hogan with around $10 million left to his name. How does that work? Good lawyer I imagine. Very good lawyer. I never understand the American law of where you suddenly get everyone's money. Why isn't it well, yeah, Hogan was left with very, very little. Okay, I mean, yeah, ten million is still. <laughs> yeah. Oh, poor Hulk! Only ten million. Oh, yeah. Boo hoo. I mean, but again, you know, Hogan was like, you see, then sad things like Hogan's putting his mansion up for sale. You know, the, <laughs> you know or Hogan has to move in, live with Brock and stuff like that, oh. and the reality show gets cancelled, dude. And oh, God. you know, and during, I mean, around this time though, Hogan still was coming back to WWE. You know, and. Uh, Hogan came back to WWF for what was meant to be a very, very big program in 2005. And Hogan at this point has got artificial hips, artificial knees. He's not a nimble man now. And considering in his heyday he was hardly a nimble man, it doesn't bode very well for him, you could say. Yeah. Hogan taking on Shawn Michaels, HBK, SummerSlam 2005. A match that was billed as being legend versus icon mm-hmm. and ended up becoming something entirely different. This was originally meant to be a best of three series matches and Hulk Hogan was meant to lose the first and then win the second two. Right. Hulk Hogan decided that the better way to do business was that he should win the first two and then they would talk about the third one. <gasps> oh my God. And Hogan, we mentioned before that creative control. Yeah. You know. Hogan famously, Bret Hart, for instance, Bret was the next guy after Hogan left. Hogan never passed the torch to him, even though there was meant to be a match that was happening between the two. Hogan never did it. He never put Bret over. Even though Hogan was moving on, he never positioned him because he was a smaller guy. And in WCW, you could almost say it was like bullying in the sense that Hogan and his guys and his friends at the top. No one came close to him. The younger athletic wrestlers like a Rey Mysterio or an Eddie Guerrero or a Chris Jericho would never have gotten a chance to wrestle or make money with Hulk Hogan because he didn't like wrestling with the smaller guys. He's such a dick. <laughs> and I mean, Hogan's view is this, is that he won't, he doesn't think he'll make money with them because he doesn't think people are interested in seeing him fight someone that small because in their mind... Who's going to believe that a small guy could beat a big dude like Hulk Hogan? Okay, well, that's where the clear difference between him and John Cena emerges. Because John Cena puts other guys over... Daniel Bryan, Kevin yeah. Owens, all smaller guys. Cesaro. And it's seldom that he does it, but at least he does do it and yeah. it has significance when he does it. Hogan, not so much. So enter here now where you've got a scenario where Hogan's up to his old tricks and he's in the ring with Shawn Michaels 
one of the all-time greats, regarded as being one of the best actual in-ring wrestlers of all time, and someone I think you're going to really love. Yeah. And I'm Michaels, already quite a fan. Yeah, I told you this one. Keep your keep your eyes open for Shawn Michaels in this one, Joe, because he takes things. He takes it back to Hulk Hogan, and he throws it back in his face in a way that is not typical. Why, how would you just? How would you describe Shawn Michaels' antics in his match with Hulk Hogan? When you oh no, when you said um, keep an eye on what Shawn Michaels does because he makes him makes him look bad. Mm-hmm. That's all you told me. I was like, okay, what could that... He probably means that he, like, doesn't react to Hogan's punches and kicks and stuff. He probably just, like, makes him look really weak, maybe. Yeah. And you just, like, chuckled. And at that point, I knew he was going to do the opposite. Yeah. And, yeah, he totally oversells everything. So Hulk will punch him and he'll do, like, a backflip and fall over, <laughs> stumble, trip, it's amazing take three to see. strides and then... <laughs> collapse on his front like I uh, like literally at one point Hogan gives him the big boot Shawn Michaels does a cartwheel to the floor gets up does what can only be described as the can-can and then does a front <laughs> flip it's amazing and the only thing I love more than Shawn Michaels going absolutely ape shit and like overselling for everything the only thing I like more than that is Hulk Hogan's reactions to that yeah. which is somewhere between motherfucker and oh, you damn right <laughs> and the only thing I like more then Shawn Michaels overselling, and the other thing I like more than Shawn Michaels overselling and Hulk Hogan reacting to it is Shawn Michaels overselling, Hulk Hogan reacting to it, and Jim Ross and commentary trying to cover for it, going, "By God, the velocity of Hogan! <laughs> he punched him so hard he he ran around the ring making a silly face and then blew a raspberry." Like you know, <laughs> my God. <laughs> One thing I did notice, though, in matches which you did react with Hogan every time without fail, but I don't think it's the kind of reaction that warrants engagement in the match, is when anytime Hogan bled, and this one here, oh. he cuts his forehead very noticeably. Actually, happy though, those of you who are with your how-to wrestling exposed to business bingo cards at home, we happen to know that Joe was able to actually pinpoint the moment Hulk Hogan cut his forehead in this one. Well, he, thanks to you. Yeah, I was like, keep, keep your eyes Pointed open there. And, uh... Hogan, he he bleeds big in this one. Oh god, it's so much blood. It's uh it's everywhere. It's harrowing. Is it dramatic? Did it make you kind of go, "Oh shit, what's going to happen?" No. Made me squeamish. Made me freak out by Hulk Hogan's terrifying bloodied face. He was he was absolutely gushing in this. Yeah. And I think Hogan as his athleticism went down, he began to rely more on the kind of the gimmickry in terms of if I bleed in a match or use a weapon or have some kind of interference, something like that, Hogan matches would become bloodbaths then, essentially. And this one is fucking... It's horrible. It's like something I'd expect to see Dean Ambrose do in his early days, but not like the biggest superstar ever, just like... And particularly as well, Hogan is like 80s childlike kind yeah. of, you know, fun superhero cartoon character. Ear to ear, he split himself and he's just fucking gushing everywhere. It's gross. At one point, Sean has him in a headlock and there's literally so much fucking blood. Oh, it's like a curtain of blood on oh, Sean's arm. It's just... all over his arm, on the floor, all over Hulk Hogan's face. Ugh. It's really disgusting. It's like something out of the Saw movies. <laughs> Would you like to play a game, dude? <laughs> you know something, brother. <laughs> Oh, one thing we didn't mention. Um, at the very beginning of the match, uh, when they were both coming into the to the ring, you very briefly see Shawn Michaels do a digging motion. Oh, yes! And uh, that was quite amusing. What do you think it meant, the digging motion, then? Oh, I knew what it meant instantly, because I remember you, you were proper proud of me. You are like, oh, it's 
So what's what's that then? It's like, well, obviously, it's it's two meanings. One, he's going to bury him and he's going to kill him, right? <laughs> Threatening. But also, he's going to bury him in the wrestling term. Boom. Which means he's going to make him look really stupid and bad. God damn, how-to terminology, folks. If you're struggling to, to keep up with some of the terms and want to know hidden meanings behind wrestlers hating each other IRL, <laughs> check that episode out. It's on SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, Thanks. <laughs> it's nice. Terminology. Thanks, terminology. <laughs> so I thought that was really, like... I don't know. Not brave isn't the word. Brazen, I think. Brazen, yeah, yeah. That's that's accurate. And Shawn Michaels will... And how-to Michaels, when we do that one eventually, you'll see that... Shawn Michaels very brazen individual at times. I really definitely. like him from this match. I just thought he was <clears throat> awesome. It's good you could see his athleticism on display, yeah. even just with his ridiculous overselling to Hulk Hogan. A chair is eventually brought into the ring, and we get some clattering shots. Hulk Hogan is just gushing blood everywhere. Yeah. And then of course Hogan is hulking up. Shawn Michaels helpless falls victim to hulking up and the vicious cat-like leg drop, and defeats Shawn Michaels in quick regard. Mm. And I mean. Michael's here, some say, oh, a bit unprofessional. <laughs> I would say it's unprofessional to kind of go, three pay-per-views, yeah. three paydays. You're talking six-figure payouts minimum for those. And I he think... turns that to one. Has to He has to win in his mind. It may be considered unprofessional, I guess, but I don't know. It was so entertaining. It's not like anyone in the crowd would be surely like, oh. This is one like of my favourite Hogan matches just because of... Yeah. What it represents and the fact that the crowd is still so into this. Because keep in mind, you would think if this kind of match happened these days, everyone in the crowd is going to be that smart fan who doesn't like that no good politician Hogan or whatever and wants to see him get his ass kicked as a result, and rightfully so. Whereas here, if you looked in the crowd, you had those... I don't want to stereotype a whole bunch of people like bronies or whatever... (laughs) But if you are a 35-year-old man with a goatee and a feather boa and a sleeveless Hulk Hogan t-shirt, dressing up like him in the front rows of shows, looking mad serious when he comes out, you're, you've got a problem. Mm. <laughs> and he had this legion of weird-ass fans. You see these people and they've got Hogan back tattoos and... Oh, no. You know, walking around with a replica belt all the time. I don't God, know. imagine those people now with their racist icon tattoos yeah oh that's sad. i feel bad for him but hogan again this crowd had a lot of absolutely zealot like hogan fans and he he has that everywhere he goes and he still will have that to this day i think so were they upset then by the fact that Shawn michaels did this some people would have been massively upset by it made the match so much more entertaining it was like, much better is... than it was ever ever going to be without yeah. it you know? this is the only match of his you showed me that i would ever watch again so this was your favorite of the hogan oh, matches yeah. we watched yeah, yeah. that's very very interesting to Shawn michaels yeah thanks to Shawn michaels entirely definitely yeah. i have here a, a brief list of some of the bullshit that hulk hogan is hated for <laughs> in addition to the ones which we've already talked about oh, some of goodness. hogan's best lies and exaggerations some of the choice ones i like number one elvis was a massive fan Despite the fact that Elvis died two years before Hogan made his professional wrestling debut. Oh my god, does he think that Elvis isn't dead then? I think I like to think an Elvis impersonator got the runaround on Hogan and he didn't know what was going on. <laughs> what are you talking about, dude? He's alive at Summon Vegas last week, brother. God. Uh, the other one I like is after WrestleMania 2, he shut down a bar with John Belushi and the two of them went out in the town drinking. You know, him and John Belushi, America's guest. Turned in and John Belushi, brother, he couldn't keep up with Hulk Hogan because Hogan was such a party animal. And John Belushi, who was a noted party animal, couldn't keep up with him. John Belushi died two years before oh, no. uh, that alleged incident happened from uh, 
from a, a bad mixture of drugs. Oh, God. Was approached to be the bass player in Metallica. Jesus, no way. <laughs> yep. Metallica. Metallica, which has been disputed by Metallica. <laughs> wow. Can he even play bass? He can, yeah. Hogan can. He oh. can play music. Uh, we'll have a look at Hogan's music probably later on at the end of the episode. Why to play does he know about these things? Was approached. Was approached. <laughs> To be in the UFC when it was starting out. No. Which is in 1994, which is after Hulk Hogan had left like the WF. He was like 40. <laughs> and also as well, that would have been after the steroid scandal as well, where Hogan would have been... You know, you see, you notice how trim he was at points, yeah. you mentioned. Hogan, obviously, the steroid scandal that happened. Whole episode on that in the future, folks. Mm. Needs to say, after Hogan and the steroid scandal... He was noticeably trimmer, but he was not being approached by UFC, which is again wow. disputed by by the people. We obviously had the uh, George Foreman grill talk yeah. we had earlier. The exaggerations about Andre the Giant, the the main one being that Andre was like six hundred pounds, seven hundred pounds, eight hundred pounds, seven foot two, seven foot four, eight foot, <laughs> in front of ninety three thousand, a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand. You know it. Add any number from the Andre story, and Hogan has 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 inflated it to his own degree. Why? Because does he genuinely believe these things, or does he think everyone else is just stupid? I think it might be a little bit of a Hulk Costanza. You know, George has that famous line in Seinfeld where it's like, you know, if you believe it enough, it's not a lie. Technically, <laughs> Jerry. I think that is the case with Hogan. Wow. A little bit. A lot of people kind of think that the man and the character have kind of merged into one and there is a degree of delusion there. Mm. And I mean, this one here, this other one, which I had in terms of Hogan bullshit. And I think this, when I heard this one, I thought the man can't help it. He is just compelled to lie. Yeah, because I mean, you can. Some people have like a compulsive lying at WrestleMania 30, Hogan was brought out. He's the host, and he came out to welcome everyone to WrestleMania 30. And he's like, "Hey, everyone, it's me, Hulk Hogan." And then The Rock came out, and then Steve Austin came out, and the three of them like shared some time in the ring, kind of just bantering back and forth. It was a good bit of fun. Hogan went on to claim in the interview interviews afterwards, going, "Oh man, they completely blindsided me. It must have been the spirit of Andre the Giant playing jokes on me, dude. I had no idea the Rock and Steve Austin were coming out, dude." Wow, that was pretty crazy. I had to think of all that stuff on the fly. Then WWE released a documentary on the WrestleMania weekend. And Hogan is just shown before going out backstage talking with The Rock and Austin about their segments. So he just lied. He just lied to make it... Is he it... trying to protect the business, I wonder? <laughs> Mace. He, I think he's trying to protect the business of Hulk Hogan, I think. Yeah. Hogan, I hate to break it to you, but my heart's not broken if you and The Rock and Austin have a bit of a chat to talk about what you're going to talk about. That's yeah. okay. I expect as much that you have a little bit of a run through. I'm okay if he wrestles a man who's only seven foot tall as opposed to eight foot tall. Yeah. The other one about Andre as well, and this one I've never liked, is that him claiming that he, Andre the Giant died like a month afterwards. Claiming he, he slammed... has a lot of things to do with people dying and him not. Yeah. It's very Him curious. body slamming Andre, and then he claimed that he slammed Andre, and he tore all the muscles in his back when he did it, right. which, of course, he didn't, mainly because you could see him bend over to pin him afterwards. And then Andre died a month later. Such was the enormity of the move that Andre okay. couldn't continue. It, it pushed him over the edge. Mm-hmm. 
Now, Hogan, obviously, basically admitting to murdering a man yeah. there for the sake of a good story. They should look into that, investigate that further. Now, Andre <laughs> did die six years after the fact. Now, I'm not saying that wasn't it's some a slow sort of... Burn. A slow burn, brother. Oh. A slow burn, dude. Someday, brother, I will come for you. That body slam will kill you. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. I just like the idea of like retired Andre waking up, you know, putting on his his, his glasses, eating his bran with his, his and, and then Hogan appearing. Fee fi fo fum, Andre. Six years have passed since the slam heard around the world, dude. You're gonna die now, brother. What you gonna do? When the five poke nerve hold of death runs wild on you. Um yeah, Hogan. Bit of an exaggerator, you know? Mm. Now, Hogan, again, he appeared a few times for WWE here and there. And there was always a period of time where it felt like every WrestleMania or every big event coming up, Hogan's name would just appear, you know, as being discussed. As in, like, I remember when I was going to WrestleMania, Hogan and Austin. It's going to happen. Absolutely. Hogan and Austin. Not never. Yeah. Ne- it was not on the cards. Mm. Austin was not on board. Never on the cards. It was being this talked is about. He retired, right? Yeah, Austin. after Austin was gone, yeah. you know. And the reason why this was being talked about was because Hogan was just talking sort of about spreading it. rumors. Spreading rumors. It's like recently uh. when the talk was that he was going to fight John Cena. It was Hogan again just saying, "I'm going to fight John Cena," you know, or Hogan's going to have another match. He was saying those rumors. Oh, it's Hulk Hogan, you know. Sake. Spreading rumors about himself. So bro Hulk can go and go, have you heard the buzz, brother? These people really want to see me fight, you know, Randy Orton. Because um, you told them you're going to. I hate, I'm really sorry. I'm trying to have like an unbiased view of all the wrestlers we cover. Uh, but just. I will say it's refreshing to see that you can hate him for this and the racism as well. Now you oh, yeah. <laughs> We haven't even no, approached that I whole came match. into this putting the racism behind him thinking no I'm going to look at him as an actual wrestler as though I hadn't known about the racism yeah as hard as that is Mm. and I thought I'd judge him purely on his merits before that as well okay and then afterwards I'd judge him on both (laughs) the the merits though I will say because I I think the promos the energy in the promos is incredible yeah the one we didn't talk about actually which we also watched Wrestlemania 4 Trump Plaza oh, Hogan God. talking about slamming Andre the that Giant that's just weird though <laughs> slamming bon- on- Hogan says that he's going to slam Andre the Giant again and then oh no they didn't find out that Trump Plaza Donald Trump's building where the show was was built on a fault line and that slamming Andre was going to cause the country to collapse in two from New York down to Tampa Florida and that Giant Gorge would open up and then Andre the Giant was going to fall in all the seawater and drown. But all the Hulkamaniacs are going to fall in as well. And that's Why? really scary. And then Donald Trump was going to fall in as well. And Donald Trump was going to fall in all this metaphorical water and start drowning. But thank God he was a Hulkamaniac. Because Donald Trump was then able to realise to let go of the materialistic possessions and swim to safety with his family. Hang on, I actually have a quote there from, from this. If you look in their eyes, man... Have you seen the fear and all those little hulksters? They realise that when I get Andre the Giant cinched up in a launch position, when I slam him through the Trump Plaza, brother, from New York down to Tampa, Florida, the fault line is going to break off. And as Andre the Giant falls into the ocean, as my next two opponents fall into the ocean floor and I pin him, so will Donald Trump and all the Hulkamaniacs. (laughs) He's a madman. He must be stopped. But wait. 
But as Donald Trump hangs onto the top of the Trump Plaza with his family under his other arm, <laughs> as they sink to the bottom of the sea, thank God Donald Trump's a Hulkamaniac. I mean, that being the Hulkamaniac is what gets you out of that situation. He'll know enough to let go of his materialistic possessions, hang on to the wife and kids, dog paddle with his life all the way to safety. But Donald, if something happens, if you run out of gas and all those little Hulkamaniacs just hang on to the largest back in the world. That's his back. And I'll dog paddle us backstroke all of us to safety and then he literally backstrokes out of out of off screen now i look that i was hogan all those kinds of promos i mean can you see the value there at least from just kind of a whoa that's insane wrestling yeah i'm impressed he manages to come up with such weird things quite long weird yeah that's the kind of i'm wondering if you could pick up on some of the kind of the how to build up a Hogan, how to Hogan promo, basically. I imagine, yeah, people could do with taking a bit of inspiration from him in a way because he does build it up and up and up you and do. He gets I mean, it all hyped. You and... start off by saying, you know something or let me tell you something. Yeah. Brother, dude, Jack. Those are the, the, the names you refer to, to people as. Right. Then you start talking generally about your opponents. <laughs> then some sort of doubt that someone may have about mm. you and your opponent. But Hulkster, I hear that the one-man gang is really tall. How are you going to possibly be him? Then, sidetrack to a metaphorical, completely nothing to do with anything, other realmy thing, where something make-believe happens. Like, you know something, one-man gang, me and Joanna Graham, we were riding a couple of horses through the mountains in Montana, dude. And then one second, a lake of lava appeared before us. Joanna Graham says, oh no, dude, the horses, Hulkster, they're going to melt and bubble. And, and you just go on about that. And then you bring it back to, like, you're going to take the metaphorical thing, power of Hulkamania, mm-hmm point at your hand and say this is where the power is yeah all the hulkamaniacs all come mm. together they're eating their pasta they cool down the lava so the horses can walk across it's a basalt wait it's... what they give their lives well yeah obviously oh, thank god they're hulkamaniacs i'm pretty sure he's going for that also, I apologise very late on to this episode that I often refer to Hulk Hogan as the Hulk. The Hulk? This is because I used to say it to wind up the few wrestling fans I knew. It really pissed them off when I was like, oh, the Hulk. And they're like, the no, Hulk it's Hulk. not the Hulk, it's Hulk Hogan. Stan Lee will be equally pissed off. I think you have to, yeah. you have to get a cheque for five cents every time <laughs> someone calls him the Hulk. Right? And I've just not been able to get it right in my head since, so now he's just the Hulk He's to the me. Hulk. And that's how you make a Hulk promo, though. You know something? Let me tell you something. What you gonna do training the vitamins the 24 inch pythons he has so many catchphrases what is a tw- you keep referring to these 24 24 inch pythons dude what his arms yeah his arms they're Kevin's pythons flexing. i do i'm doing the hulk hogan 24 inches of python right so they're they're big he, his arms are so big they're they 24 a, inches long no, like this wide here so circumference so a circumference okay. so he's basically got the arm I circumference i thought he was referring to his boas Oh, no, no, no. I mean, he's got his boas. <laughs> mm, look at my 24-inch boas. Don't mix up his reptilian nomenclature. He's got boas, yes, but he also has pythons. But the pythons and boas are separate things. Pythons are arms, boas are feathery scarf. And he, yeah, exactly. And I'm pretty sure he calls us Willy a salamander. But I could be wrong. Oh. That's conjecture. But honestly, who's going to care now because of all the things that he said and done? We could spread anything about him at this point. <laughs> right. The last mean thing that Hulk Hogan did, the last kind of thing to talk about in his career before he kind of wrapped up on his involvement in wrestling is that in the midst of all the the darkness the divorces the lack of money wwe didn't want him back hogan needed cash 
he needs exposure, he needs to be on TV. And him and the old guy who used to run WCW, Mr. Eric Bischoff, that's the man who fired Steve Austin by FedEx, uh, yeah. set their sights on a company called TNA Wrestling. TNA Wrestling, which at the time was a distant number two organization to WWE. Right. Their idea is that they would come in, add a little bit of rocket fuel, their creative flair and ideas and imagination. Sure, they know wrestling, right? It's not as if they put another company out of business already. Mm-hmm. And uh, then that would take them to the top okay. and they would win. Now, TNA in 2015 is now a much, 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 much further distant number two. Some would argue number three. Right. And it was because of the Hogan and Bischoff thing. First of all, Hogan and Hogan wanted so much money to be in this company. I bet it must have broken them. And Hogan did not wrestle often. He couldn't wrestle. He was sick. His back was fucked. His knees were fucked. So Hogan's been paid a lot of money to show on this program. Yeah, you said his back. He'd had back surgery like six times yeah, at this point. Yeah, back and was absolutely fucked. He couldn't even fall on his back, like take a... A little bump. He couldn't do his leg drop anymore. He couldn't do anything. He couldn't wrestle, really, at, at all. And Hogan's been paying this big money. Not only has he got creative control over himself, he essentially has creative control over the whole company, being given kind of a vague executive producer-type title. I don't understand why he doesn't. Why he didn't take a leaf out of uh, Steve Austin's book. And kind of ride off into the sunset, do well, reality shows. Well, or even and... if he didn't want to retire just yet, he could have done what he did when Steve Austin couldn't do many wrestling moves and be good general. on the mic. Yeah, I mean, that's what Hogan was, like the general manager, or like, uh, you know, he, he would appear as an authority figure on these shows. Mm. And Hogan wanted to do all this stuff because he thought that he, him and Bischoff knew how to run things. They made them compete head-to-head with WWE on WWF Raw. Right. They were no like they got like a tenth of the ratings that WWE would have done. They were absolutely killing themselves. They were losing viewers by doing this. Hogan, all his buddies that he liked to wrestle with, like the Nasty Boys and all these crappy guys he was fans of, they all got contracts to come work for TNA because Hogan's got to look out for his friends, right? Mm. And the company was absolutely destroyed by this. I think we're still feeling the ramifications. Hogan said that they were going to take this company and make it the number one wrestling company. They never could have done that. Hogan said, after he said when he first signed, if, if I don't turn things around after one year, I'm gone, brother. Because, you know, I, I believe that the iron is hot and we can do this. Four years later, and Hulk Hogan, still in TNA, finally leaves in the end. And, my God, they hired so many people, wasted so much money, and the company is absolutely destroyed. The peak of Hogan's involvement in TNA in terms of them getting money out of him and him giving them value was this match that we watched from Bound for Glory 2011, Hulk Hogan taking on Sting. Two very old men. Yeah, I'm only really familiar with of Sting now because he popped up in, was it WrestleMania this year? Mm-hmm. Uh, some random old guy, and then some other random old guys who I think <clears> now, looking back, I think they may have been the New World Order. They were, yes. Right. I or think organization. We're not clear on that, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, and Hulk was there, yeah. You're right, yeah. Okay, was. right. He was there. That makes sense that he was there, I suppose. So Sting seems old now. These I mean, guys had this match in 1997, and people were complaining that Hulk Hogan was too wait, old. Wait, this then. match was in 1997? No, 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 no. They oh. they did this match previously in 1997, oh. and they thought that Hogan was too old then. And here we are, oh. like 14 years later, Hogan ain't a lot ain't, ain't younger. It's he's, like 
It's really sad. It is. It's tragic. I kind of wanted to show it to you to show Hogan's difficulty with letting go of the spotlight. Really? It's like watching two dads try and wrestle. Because they're both, they're they're dressed up in their comfy pyjamas. Yeah. And they say, the commentators say, oh, they're they're really dressed up for a fight. They're dressed up for a Um, sleepover, mate. They're dressed up for a nice Sunday cup of tea. They're dressed up for a Saturday afternoon lazy barbecue. (laughs) It's a cool dad day. It's like, yeah, it's like two dads trying to wrestle, except one of them has a bad back, so he can't do much. But he's really trying because his son is in the crowd and he doesn't want to let him down. Oh, man, it's it's really, really awful. And, um, of course, Ric Flair comes out in this match as well. Most of this match is 20 minutes long, but most of this match is literally smoke and mirrors. Yeah, it's like, let's make this match as long as possible. Ric Flair, can he walk really slowly down into the ring, please? And as Hogan smiles and nods, uh, hoping mm-hmm. people doesn't notice that he's leaning Lean. on, the, on the ropes, because if he doesn't, his legs will fall off. <laughs> it was horrible watching Hogan determined to take a couple of bumps in this match. The back in the state that it was. It actually, this is the first time, well, not the first time, this is one of the few occasions I've watched wrestling and thought, ow, that genuinely looks like it hurts. He gets punched and he falls over like a, like a tree being chopped down. Yeah. Collapses in a heap, just, ugh. It really, every time he gets, it falls over, which isn't, I think it's once or maybe twice, it just looks like it hurts so much. He doesn't bounce at all. Hogan tries to put Sting in like a chin lock and put his knee on the back as a rest hold and Hogan can't even bend his legs mm. to do that. It's really sad to see. Oh, God. Oh, continuing on the dad analogy, though. At one point, uh, right. Ric Flair... Like your rich friend's dad, you know, the one with the alcohol problem that no one acknowledges on account of him. I heard he did cocaine really once. <laughs> <laughs> He's rich, it's fine. It's not alcoholic problems. <laughs> so it's fine. Uh, Ric Flair takes off his jacket and uses it to attack the other dad, Sting. Dad attacks. dad. It's quite pantomime-esque. That they're really not hitting each other in yeah. that sense, kind of falling over. Like, but oh. Also in terms of it seems quite amateurish. That's what kind of I mean by that. Like with pantomimes, you quite often get like amateur actors, you know. It's funny that like you've, I've heard you compare like a lot of the wrestling that you're a fan of, like NXT and, you know, that kind of stuff or stuff with the Shield to being like the height of athleticism. Yeah. In that you can't believe the things these humans can do. It's almost hard to view this as being the same, you know, the same sport, the same platform. It's like full of dads who refuse to believe that they're too old to be famous anymore. That's what it reminds me of. That's so sad, isn't it? It's really sad. Really sad. And Hogan, of course, you know, he left TNA shortly after this. That the match ends with Hogan tapping out because his back is sore. Yeah. And then we get like you know the the silly lol. Hogan gets the crowd ovation where he just turns on the the bad guys and he gets the he gets to Hulk up one more time. You can see his really shitty back tattoo that says "Immortal." Yeah. You are so mortal. If you're getting a back tattoo and your skin is like making an indentation while they're doing the tattoo on you and it says immortal, that should be a, a hint of your mortality. Mortal, mortal man. His body is sad to the point where if you see his stomach, it actually is a sad face. It's oh yeah, it's a frumpy sad, kind of... Sad face. It's really sad. Yeah. Hogan eventually found his way back into WWE after leaving TNA and kind of really leaving TNA in the dust. Hogan... I mean, Hogan didn't even mention TNA when he was doing, like, interviews with... You know, news stations would be like, Hey, Hulk Hogan's in town. He wouldn't even mention TNA. He'd never promote us. He would never wear a shirt. He would never tell people about us. He'd never act like he was proud to be there. 
And as soon as he comes back to WWE after this, it's like, oh, brother, I've been gone. I've been, you know, I've been in exile. I'm back. Thank you for having me. And WWE, to their credit, used him in the role that I think that he was best used for at this point. A spokesperson, a figurehead, a link to the old wrestling, a link to his legacy and the continuity now with the network. The network was launched and Hogan was the face of it. It's kind of like, hey, Hulk Hogan, remember the 80s? Lapsed mm-hmm. fans, look at him. I think it worked Nostalgia. well. Nostalgia. It did. And Hogan would come out and he would say, hey, everybody, what's WrestleMania, dude? And people would respond to that. And I thought it worked quite well. Now, Joe and I went on holiday a few weeks ago. And we came to a shocking fucking bit of news. Yeah. It's kind of like you and... <laughs> we you had and... no internet for about three or four days. Yeah. And then finally we managed to get an internet connection somehow by passing a cafe with Wi-Fi. And all of a sudden I get this little buzz and it's I'm like, like... Oh shit. Uh-oh. We started this fucking podcast and literally the world of wrestling is about to change. Or yeah. in terms of... We talked about how WWE wants things to be remembered and the retconning and the, the struggles to kind of maintain company direction with its choppy history hulk hogan is no more in terms of wwe canon we can agree on that now yeah because in old july hulk hogan it was revealed that in a sex tape that had previously been leaked and hogan was still in litigation over with gawker and bubba the love sponge his friend who also videotaped him having sex with his wife Mm. long story Who'd have thought that the least offensive thing on that was Hulk Hogan being too full of dinner and calling himself a big fat fucking pig after coming after a minute? Who'd have thought that that, in retrospect, was the most palatable thing that happened on that tape? Yes, Hulk Hogan admitted to being a racist, peppered in with a few instances of the N-word. And yeah, Hulk Hogan, you know the story, folks. You know how it is now. Hogan... His name, if you type into Google, racism scandal, Hulk Hogan, TMZ, Hulk Hogan, homophobic rant, Hulk Hogan. It turns out that when he called his son in prison, he used the N-word as well. Hulk Hogan. It turns out that when he was doing some filming for a reality show, he called, you know, a gay person a derogatory word. And it's just non-stop. And Hogan's response to it was a, a PR company farted and out came this little statement. It's really bad because, like... Okay, here's the thing. I genuinely do think people can do shitty things and be shitty people and change and become better, right? Mm -hmm. I think it takes active effort on the part of that person, but I think it's possible. Now, bearing in mind this sex tape scandal thing, it actually was, when it was filmed, it was like seven years ago, right? Oh, it was a good while ago now. It was 2008 or 9 or so, I believe. Now, I do think that if he'd done that at the time, he could have then changed, I think, become more culturally aware more maybe accepting of, of things. Apologise. A nice person. What well, he should have done. On TV, If maybe? he was actually a good person, he should have come forwards originally when he knew that, because he knew that was out there because of the whole scandal. He should have come out and he should have said, look, I did something really bad. I was shitty and yes, I was racist. I'm a different person now. I'm working really hard. I'm trying to change and I'm going to give tons of money to African-American communities or I'm going to, you know pay start a wrestling school for under basically kids. let me prove to you the character of my person that yeah. i claim to have in this pr statement where it says this is not representative of me it was just a half-arts shit apology he, the only reason he's sorry is because he's been caught yeah 
that's the that's what that apology came across as and he had a chance before all this came out this way he had a chance of really doing some good because he knew it was on that tape he knew he knew what he said he knew he was a bad person but yeah. I just doesn't especially now god with all the stuff he was retweeting yeah oh I don't believe you're a racist I mean, Hulk Hogan there are so many ways to I, I was gonna say it, you know it's bad when Kramer when fucking Michael Richards Kramer from Seinfeld who had a similar racist rant yeah. and his was in public <laughs> You know it's bad when you handle it worse than him. Because Michael Richards, he literally, he went on his hands and knees to America. You know, I don't, I'm not saying it was a good apology or it was good enough or that he's forgiven. That's done of my, not my pace to say. But I know that the man was literally hands and knees begging for forgiveness and meeting with black leaders, trying to do what he could. Really? And then he disappeared, completely took himself out of the limelight. And... You I know, actually think that's probably a really good thing to do, especially think, taking yourself out of the limelight. I think taking yourself out of the limelight is very good. Now, I'm not saying that his apology was good enough or that he's in any way like, that's fine and it's all cool now, Dad. I'm just saying no, that those that's were... That's a start. That's least. a start and those are the kinds of things that people in that position should look to try to do. Yeah. Going on Twitter and literally pretending like nothing has happened. Except for retweeting other people, white people... Oh no, it wasn't just white people, sorry. Sorry. Some fake photos of uh, black people as well (laughs) who weren't actually them. And I mean, you know, Hulk Hogan's Twitter account speaks for itself. It's just full of bullshit. There have been ridiculous examples of him retweeting things of people saying, oh, I don't think you're a Oh, he's retweeted like, you know, serial killers and like kind of, hey, my daughter's a big fan. Here's a picture of Madeleine McCann. Can you retweet it? You know, that kind of, he's very easily duped, but... It's one thing being duped when it's something, you know, people just being trolls. It's kind of, dude, like, open up. Yeah. Don't you, re- he's still not realised. respect as well. He said, I am a racist. He's got to be held accountable to that. Yeah. And he's not- you don't get to just then retweet a bunch of posts saying, oh, but actually I'm not. WWE essentially have, they've taken an interesting line of action in that mentions specifically of Hulk Hogan on the website, articles, things like that. All gone. Basically so that when you Google Hogan, you don't stumble upon a WWE website. He's not on the Hall of Fame webpage. He's not on the roster page. No mentions of his yeah. of him in news or anything like that. He's still on the network. And the shows that have Hogan in promotional imagery are still there. The cartoon Hogan's Rock and Wrestling is gone. Right. But like all the stuff we watched with the exception of TNA, we all find this on the network. So Hogan is still there. So not erased, just shelved in that sense yeah you've got a lot of people at the moment who are kind of going well Rester X did this and they weren't dealt with as severely and they weren't dealt with I mean Vince McMahon has used the n-word and stuff with Booker T Hogan is not the exactly on camera with Booker T played up for comedic effect you know I think they claim it's different because he was a heel and yeah I don't think you can use the the argument that just because lots of other racists (laughs) haven't been caught in an incredibly public I don't think you can use it kind of, kind of go like, oh, well, this race, this wrestler, he's a racist. You know, that that guy was a noted racist. Yeah, and he's fine. No. <laughs> it doesn't work. Like That's it, not how, no. Hogan's position of where he was and people's trust in pop culture as an icon and all that. Also, as a that's whole. That's what led to this. Racist people in the media get away with it more often than not. That's true. Well, Hogan's been held accountable. And I think the reason everyone thinks it's so harsh is because it's not something that, normally that is something that's kind of at least kind of ignored. Mm. I think when a company like WWE, the publicly traded company that like yeah. is currently, I'd say is attempting to celebrate and make moves to celebrate its diversity. Yeah, definitely. I don't think it's, 
it's ludicrous to think that they would do anything else. No, they have. And I don't to, say that lightly. You know, yeah, and it's it's it it is kind of come to the point. I think that if people are still defending Hulk Hogan at this point, maybe they're a racist too. <laughs> Not saying you are, but maybe you need to have a real like kind of long. Li- what's kind of more important, Hogan being held accountable, or you like thinking Black Lives in general? Or yeah, or <laughs> what's what's more important, Black Lives in general, or the how these things are handled and whatnot, or you being able to wear your Hulk Hogan t-shirt. Yeah. You know? I'm sorry, your childhood is not more important than an entire group of people. No. I don't care how many hours you watched Hogan. How much money he spent on his merchandise. And I, I, it's easy for me to say because Hogan was never my hero. Yeah. Never. And I hated Hulk Hogan beforehand. And you know what? The people who were kind of like, yes! You know, finally, I we've hated Hogan for years. He's now such, good he's such, and now we've got the dirt on it. It's like no, that's a really bad way. That's to a think bad way things. to look at it. You know, Hogan was a dick beforehand, and uh, you know, and he's proven himself in the last few. He's really before this happened. I think I could have made peace with kind of you know Hogan's done his shitty things, but he was successful in wrestling and was important to wrestling. So yeah. I'm neutral on him. But there's no way I could be anything but totally against the man now, I think. I don't think we'll ever see Hogan back on WWE screens Mm. unless there is some sort of monumental shift in his actions and how WWE... Ball's in his court, really. He needs to... The ball's in his court, but good lord, man, that ball's gotten deflated now. It's been standing in your court for so long. You shouldn't have let it rot. Look, a giant giant cricket ball is coming towards you. Let's bat it back with this sheet of paper with a shitty apology. (laughs) Uh, uh, I had the balls in your court now. I'm sorry if you were offended. I'm sorry that you're offended by my actions. Yeah, so... Shit apology. It is, I will say, though, it's a sad end to a career. I will say, though, if you're one of the people that did, like, idolise Hulk Hogan massively, and obviously then this big racist scandal came about and it, I can't even imagine how hard it must be having someone you idolise so massively suddenly just their entire public image you know it turned out not only that they're a really bad person mm. but also then have them completely erased from like most things that yeah. they're associated with I can imagine that's hard and I do think as well it's possible to enjoy his previous work and also say it's okay you know he, he is a bad person he's yeah. a racist it's okay to do both as long as you recognise Yeah. That. No one's saying you can't enjoy his matches anymore. And no one's... I don't think anyone can deny how important he was. Yeah. In, I don't think Hogan being revealed as a racist is chances to kind of go, ha, well, anyone could have done WrestleMania 1 and no. Vince could have picked anyone. That doesn't prove that point at all. No. Hogan was incredibly successful. He made wrestling mainstream. Mm. He made it pop culture and he made himself an icon. Yeah. Through, through the medium of wrestling. It was by very much by putting himself in that position that his fall has been so hard. Yeah. If Hogan had not been the success and as important to wrestling as he was, no one would give a shit when Hogan yeah. came out as a racist. No. It's only because of the pedestal he was on that this really had mm. kind of significance and value. And I think that was kind of running through Hogan's career kind of start to finish with some highlights there. There's obviously, as we said, some other feuds, other matches, but Hogan will appear again on... You know, Ultimate Warrior, Randy Savage, whatnot, Ric Flair, Hogan will appear again and we'll talk about him in those contexts mm. with those wrestlers. 
The reason we kind of wanted, wanted to do it a little differently this week was that we went through the matches and the career first and now the tweets, mainly because I kind of wanted us to discuss the man before you feel those hot, hard opinions. Especially because otherwise we might have a whole lot of uh, tweets that we have to go, well, we'll respond to that later. Yeah, but... exactly, because uh, there's a lot of very specific grievances yeah. with Hogan. So with that being said, let's take a little pause for the cause and have a look at some tweets. After the sacrifice... In Sacramento, brother, I realized how far we've taken this thing, brother. As I was in that slow, rolling coffin on the way to the emergency room, as I waited for each bated breath coming out of Jimmy Hart's body that I thought might be his last, I glazed down into his eyes, Ric Flair. Yes, Jimmy Hart was muttering, was stammering, trying to get the words out. I finally understood one word coming out of his mouth. Ric Flair, the steel cage wasn't the answer, brother, to our problems. The thousands of Hulkamaniacs that I had to strap back to keep off your back, Jack, wasn't the answer to the problems. But when I heard Jimmy Hart on the way to the emergency room in that slow rolling coffin muttered the words, Yappa Pie, brother, I knew the answer to the problem, Ric Flair. The Yappa Pie Indian strap match, Jack. That's what Jimmy Hart was calling for, brother. And now that I know with the powers to be watching my back, I can box you in contractually. I can corner you in, brother. And if we are bonded together with the leather man, if we are bonded together with no one in our way, as I strap that flesh, as your flesh bubbles and burns over your whole body, you will understand, my man, what the Yappa Pie mean by the Indian strap match flare. I'm calling your bluff, man. These are sent to us at HowToWrestling on Twitter using the hashtag HowToHogan. So we've got a lot of really good opinions and kind of thoughts and coming in from people. I think this was particularly great because I was worried when we started this that people were just going to focus on the racism. We didn't, I don't think we got uh, really a single one actually, except and, for like a passing reference to and he's a racist. Yeah, so but, it's kind of like... Yeah. People were still had a lot to say about Hogan yeah. other than just this scandal. So there is still a lot to the man, I think, in people's minds other than just this race, recent development, both good and bad, though. Which is good, because, I mean, before we started uh, researching for the episode, all I knew about him was, oh, he's, he's the racist hot dog man. <laughs> Formerly, he's the racist hot dog man. He's the racist hot dog man. <laughs> There's a little theme tune. He, yeah, he went from being hot dog man to racist hot dog yeah, man. It's not gone... Good for him. And people kind of going, how could we? How could you take something as fun and lovely as a as a hot dog man and make it, make it racist? <laughs> That's definitely the surefire way to make it more marketable. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so we had a tweet in from Yannick Belzil saying, "Never forget the time Hulk Hogan had a war bonnet." Ah, yes. Now Hulk. his war bonnet <laughs> is a uh, helmet with. It's like a gladiator helmet. With a fist on top, yeah. With a fist on top, and the fist is a ring, and the yeah. but, the helmet has the word Hulkster. Yeah, it was a front. brief little extra addition to Hogan's arsenal where he would wear this helmet and then, like, headbutt people. He, he did it for a few shows. It was right. like, I think he... There's probably a warehouse in Stamford, Connecticut full of these fucking things that Hogan <laughs> never got to sell, so... And he won't now. Dapper's Den said, He took everything from everyone, but he also brought in all the dimes. Such a politician. This episode used to be about Bret Hart. <laughs> yeah, until Hogan had a word in his ear and a writing that we're uh, contractually obliged yeah, to. It would be better if, uh, if this episode was about Hulk Hogan. I don't know. I hear that uh, Mick Foley's a little bit stiffsky. Why don't we uh, do an episode of Hulk Hogan instead, brother? You know? 
On Twitter, the Pecoraro said, he is one of the few wrestlers who I would say is better to look at his portrayals in pop culture <laughs> more than his match library. Yeah, it may seem that it was a quite a scant offering through his matches of his career, but honestly... After Joe and I sat down and watched Mr. Perfect and Hulk Hogan and she was still bored, I was mm. running out with things to show. The Hogan matches, what did you... Other than the Michaels one, obviously, but what did you... I will say right now, Hulk Hogan's matches are exactly what I thought wrestling was before I watched any wrestling. So the negative stereotype. Yeah, negative stereotype. I thought it just was punches and kicks, boring, overdone personalities, just stupid, goofy old white men that's kind of that was why i hated wrestling before i watched yeah WWF and i the can Edge completely era. understand because yeah. i was like it's that hokey neon yeah. 80s crap and then i was seeing mick foley and the undertaker yeah. and kane i was like that's whoa what you know so definitely hogan <laughs> his match library probably gave wrestling a lot of the bad rep that and it has in terms of it being boring at one point you asked me <clears throat> uh which of the well, sorry, you asked me at one point what I thought of uh, the matches that we'd seen. And I said, oh, I could probably quite happily do without seeing another Hulk Hogan match ever in my life. And that's true. Except for the one with him versus Shawn Michaels was genuinely very entertaining, mm. but only for Shawn Michaels. Right, yeah, yeah. Okay. This is a, one of my favourite quotes of all time here from Carl Jefferson on Twitter, coming from Jim Cornette, who's one of my favourite minds in wrestling, and we'll have to do an episode on someday. Talking about Hulk Hogan... You're a household word, but so is garbage, and it stinks when it gets old, too. <laughs> Fucking love that. Absolutely wow. brilliant. I want to nick that. <laughs> Sick burn. Josh Strickland said, Hulk Hogan is the perfect example of Vince's prototype, the patriotic megastar that does minimal moves and shills merch, i.e. John Cena. Very much a uh, white meat baby face. I know it's quite close to dinner and you're getting hungry oh. now. Oh. Uh, very good one here from Jamie Albrecht, talking about, again... Most of the Hogan kind of stuff that people hate Hogan for about him burying people and holding them down, all that. So little of it can be proven other than conjecture and whatnot. Okay. Hogan operated in the shadows very much. And Jamie Albright here, a very important one, which we may have to talk about in a future episode in more detail. Hulk Hogan ratting on Jesse Ventura when he wanted to start a union. So wrestlers don't have a union, they don't have health insurance, they don't have a pension, anything like that. Well, Jesse currently, they don't. Currently, back then, still don't, never did. Wow. And Jesse Ventura, as a wrestler, who was one of a few wrestlers who really wanted there to be a union in wrestling so that they could not be taken advantage of. Mm. Hogan being the golden child, allegedly put the kibosh on that and told Vince about it. So Why? Surely it would have benefited him too. Mm. Or is he like a Tory? <laughs> All I'll say is, there's no union. Hogan's on top. Everyone is gracious to get a chance to work with Hogan. He makes all the money. Why would you want to shake that up with a union and change things and how people are pushed and get recognition and all that? You know? Chris BR2411 said, Amazing how Hogan's character is synonymous with being such a good guy despite being an utter shoot dick. Yeah. Shoot dick. Shoot dick. A shoot dick. It is funny. There's no one I don't think in wrestling who has more people saying more bad things about him, about his career in wrestling. Obviously, there's some other extraneous ones to that but no one has ever had more widespread widespread derision from his peers about his career than Hulk Hogan if you throw on an interview and it's some wrestler from the 80s and he's got a bottle of liquor in front of him and he's got a pissed off look in his face chances are he's going to tell you about that no good motherfucker Hulk Hogan and how he fucked you know and that's just the sad truth and I think some people say it's bitterness People resented that Hogan was the star and he wasn't and they weren't and mm-hmm. Hogan held the spotlight. But 
Needless to say, very few wrestlers in the roster right now would have bad things to say about John Cena. But I don't think anyone of Hulk Hogan's peers would have much nice things to say about him. Yeah. You know? He just sounds like an asshole. And he, as well, the thing that really gets me, this is something that about Hogan, I think is his ultimate damning in terms of his peers and how he's perceived in the world of wrestling. Hulk Hogan was not a fan or friends with Rowdy Roddy Piper, who's another wrestler, tragically passed away recently. Ultimate Warrior, another wrestler who tragically passed away, Hulk Hogan, was not a friend with. And also as well, Macho Man Randy Savage, who Hulk Hogan, some alleged, helped cause Randy Savage's divorce with his wife. Christ. He had nothing but bad blood with all three of these men. And within days after their passing, their tragic passing, Hogan was always with routinely coming out with, thank you, my best friend. Aww. We patched things up. We allegedly shook hands and buried the hatches, thankfully, just a day before he died. You know what? It's not... It's not cool to yeah. take someone who has probably spent most so many hours hating you. I can only imagine how the <laughs> families of these people must feel hearing that and knowing how much like the their dad or or husband or whatever partner like hated someone only for them to turn around and go, Oh no, actually we we made up last minute, very good. I friends, think you actually. know what yep. the those people those families, they know. Oh yeah. And I think that's all that really matters because they know they can see through I'm it for furious. a while. If you died and someone who I know you hated and hates you was suddenly like on Twitter, like, oh, me and Kevin Madden, actually, that guy from those podcasts is actually, yeah, after, we were really good friends. After I die and that thread goes up on Reddit about how everyone was my best friend there, actually, you know, I'll be suspicious. The sad thing is I can actually think of a few people who would do that. <laughs> <laughs> Dave here telling us that Hogan once blocked him on Twitter because he asked him why he wears sunglasses inside. Valid question. Not warranting a blockage, I don't think. He has the same sunglasses you do. You never wear them inside, though. What's up with that? Or outdoors, if I can help it. I'm too embarrassed (laughs) by them. My friend Ben Connolly uh, posted a picture of him on Facebook wearing a Hulkamania shirt just a few days after, I think, or maybe a couple of weeks after um, Hulk Hogan was outed as a racist. He says... This is the facial expression of someone who came home from a pretty weird day at work and opened a parcel to find it was the Hulkamania shirt he ordered in the 15 minutes when he forgot Hulk Hogan was a massive racist. But also after this day of work and lack of sleep, finds the shirt too funny to not wear anyway. Also, I paid good money for this. It's a complicated facial expression. Deep. (laughs) It's a very complicated facial expression. Yeah, I'll make sure to include that in my uh, notes on the Patreon. (laughs) Tom Phillips writing here as well. I think... This may sum up the Hulk Hogan dilemma and how people view him and their problems with him. A diabolical politician, but without Hulkamania, pro wrestling as we know it would not exist today. Yeah. And I think that is the begrudging truth. It's okay, folks. You can hate Hulk Hogan and still accept the fact that without him, wrestling would not be probably what it is today. Yeah. That's to say there wouldn't be wrestling, but it certainly wouldn't have been to the heights that it was and currently is without him or... Something very, very similar, I guess. But there you go, Hulk Hogan. A lot to take in. Personal trauma, backstage politics, a couple of matches, a sea of rabid fans, and a half-hearted apology. (laughs) What were your final thoughts on the man? I hate him. I really hate him. I just don't see the... I'm really sorry, by the way, everyone who's listening to this. I know we have a couple of people who tweeted in who are are fans of Hulk Hogan, kind of. Um... And I just don't see the appeal. I'm really sorry. I don't. He isn't an entertaining wrestler in his actual moves. He's 
a weird old racist. He's a nasty man as well as being a racist. He's I, I always say not about good. this: if half if half of the shit, actually, if two thirds of the shit if that Hogan, one percent of the shit said about Hulk Hogan is true, he's a massive tool. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's just a horrible per. Just with everything, with the put, not putting guys over, with. Just making other people look bad. He's really rubbed you the wrong way. He has. And outing the people who are trying to organise a union. He's just a fucking heel. Like a shoot heel. Yeah. That's why Hollywood Hogan was so entertaining, I guess, in the NWO. Because he was this real heel, I guess. It's really confusing for me as well. Because like Hulk Hogan is the iconic wrestler. He is the one that everyone thinks of. Mm. And I know he's so popular. Or was so popular, obviously. Um... And I just do not understand. I just, I don't get it. I think, let us know if you're some of the new fans who are listening on How To Wrestling. We've got quite a few people now who are kind of getting into it or trying to learn more about it. I don't think, starting now, you could become a Hulk Hogan fan. Is it fan. like growing up on caviar and like delicious, expensive truffles? And then and trying to have beans Parma on toast. Ham and then, yeah, being introduced to beans on toast, which is like the, the staple classic. Is that what it is? Beans on toast never sold at Madison Square Garden, brother. <laughs> is Mama. it just, am I being spoiled? No, I, I think, honestly, there is a nostalgia there that I don't think... I think you don't think you can you will yeah. ever be able to get that. And what considering what has happened and the time that has passed and the style of wrestling that you're accustomed to and what has made you a fan, I don't think I think a lot of people are in your boat that they'll never be able to be a fan. For me, I was able to see the Hulk Hogan nostalgia tour in the early two thousands. Right. So I could see oh, this is why people love and I saw I had a lot of friends who were fans and I I could see why, so at least it makes sense to me. Yeah. But I don't know if it can ever make sense to a new fan. Certainly starting off, if you're gonna to start to watch wrestling, I would say Don't watch Hulk Are you gonna would you recommend people go out and watch no, these the, matches? The Sean with Shawn Michaels is worth watching, not to Hulk Hogan, but just as an example of when wrestling doesn't go entirely as planned. Yeah. And that that's a classic example i think it's a really interesting one and it's an entertaining match check out some compilations of promos and just moments yeah. just so you can see the the reactions that he got from the crowd and the hold he had over his audience the promos are definitely worth watching the yappa pie one and uh, the weird one with donald trump yeah pastamania pastamania so i will say about pastamania Last night, when Joe was watching the Pasta Mania video, you made me some nice pasta. I actually was it. feeding Joe pasta, and I was like, I was like trying to hypnotize her, like Pasta Mania, Hulkamania, Pasta Mania, eat the pasta, Pasta Mania, Hulkamania, Pasta Mania. Which is good because actually his pasta promo made me really hungry for pasta. So watching The Sopranos always makes you hungry for like good Italian like pasta. Yeah, it's like we watched the episode of Frasier recently where they eat all the caviar, and then you yeah. were like, I need caviar. Like, <laughs> Caviar mania, Fraser mania, caviar mania, Hulkamania. <laughs> so a thumbs up then maybe for checking out some sec- segments. A thumbs down then for checking out most of the matches of Hogan. Yeah, I wouldn't bother unless you hate yourself and have nothing else. To- if you've watched all other wrestling in the world, maybe yeah. bother. Are you happy though that you know about Hulk Hogan though in terms of your knowledge, your history, knowing how he was, you know, knowing the big runs that these companies had, WCW and WWF, oh, yeah. and his role in there, at least does that, is that help at least now to know about that? Yeah, I mean, I still will never understand, I think, his appeal, but I at least can understand to the 
extent. You can make the argument that two companies were built on his back. Yeah, I can understand. He he obviously was good at what he did at his job because he brought with him such success. Mm -hmm. Although I personally don't see how he did it. Yeah. So kudos to him. And also I can understand why he thought he could make that happen for TNA considering he did it for WCW and WWF. Mm. But maybe the delusion just ran a little bit too long for the Hulkster. I think so. He came in like a wrecking ball. There's actually pictures <laughs> of him on a wrecking ball. Oh yeah, no, when the Miley Cyrus thing came out, Hulk Hogan whipped off his pants and did something for some shitty site hosting wow. advert. Dude. Hulk Hogan finance, dude. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of How To Wrestling. Thank you so much for all the tweets, the Facebook posts, the math suggestions. I think we got a really good chance to really delve into... There's a lot to get through here. So much more than just the wrestler, as is Hulk Hogan. And thank you so much for your help with that. You've helped me in organizing this uh, to try and get Joe the right matches and segments to watch. But also you've helped Joe realize the the breadth of opinion on the man and some of the shit that he's done that needs to kind of... That needs to maybe have a a few eyes on it and to have that understanding is going to be great for Joe as a wrestling fan and any new wrestling fan going forward to know about the Hulkster. Well, at least you don't have to... If you listen to this, you don't need to watch the shit matches and the... This, This podcast is many things and is not many things, but one thing we can say it is not is not more boring than Hulk Hogan versus Andre no. the Giant at WrestleMania 3. No matter 3. how low my self-esteem, I know yeah. <laughs> we're endlessly more entertaining than those matches. Now, I know, Joe, you must be feeling right now that you've sat down and you've eaten so many Hulkaroos that you just bloated and, yeah, you just don't want to have any more pasta mania. I'm sick of him. Well, now it's time for a pint of espresso to get some petal in your metal because our next episode, I'm happy to announce... Glory, glory, Brock Lesnar! Oh, it's How To Lesnar. Long awaited, much anticipated. And I'm going to say it now, and we'll talk about it more in the episode, but here we're going to be doing the episode on who is currently my favourite wrestler in the WWE. I'm talking about the Conqueror, the one behind the one. In 22 and 1, I'm just turning it to Paul Heyman now. Oh, yeah. It's great. It's give, a dream. Someone get me a big phone like, you know? There's a remote control right there. Just use that. I like the idea that I'm Paul Heyman and you're Brock Lesnar. <laughs> like, I'm just like... Ex- I'm blonde. I'm explaining all this wrestling stuff to you in the ring and you're blonde. And you just kind of stand there with that kind of happy look on your face. Pumping myself up. Jumping up and down. I yeah. understand that a little bit more now, like, you know. <laughs> I will learn about you! You're gonna have to! <laughs> So yes, how to Lesnar, matches, segments, promos, weird story. This is a man who there's a video of shooting watermelons with a heavy machine gun on YouTube. And prairie dogs. And prairie dogs. Yeah. I want Joe to learn as much about the man, the myth, the beast Brock Lesnar as is possible. I will say... Heyman is going to be getting his own episode down the line. Yeah. So if we know they're obviously linked, but let's not just send uh, Joe awesome Heyman promos. Yeah, let's we can because send... I want to. I want to savor them yeah. all in one beautiful, one beautiful swirly yeah. delicious pie. It's going to be good. I think that one is probably. I mean, I've seen a fair few anyway. Yeah, I've Joe... been following Brock Lesnar for about a year. Yeah, so I mean, you're going to learn about Lesnar. He had an entire career in WWE before he was where he is now. And apparently UFC. UFC, too. yes, MMA. 
athletic football. He was in also uh, Lesnar, highly decorated athlete. And I can't wait to talk to you. I'm really excited, about Lesnar, because here's a wrestler I think you already love, yeah. and we're just gonna. It's like me sitting you down and telling you why you like your favorite foods. Yeah, <laughs> this is all the amazing natural organic ingredients that grew up on the top of a mountain in northern Canada a that makes your away. food taste so good. And it's a mile away from a phone. Yeah. And the only <laughs> contact to this natural organic food is Paul Heyman. Exactly. So, tweet in using the hashtag HowToLesnar. There will be a picture up there. As always, the artwork done by Dan Swan. Thank you so much for these amazing... I, I think people are a big fan of the art. They are a big fan. Dan's ever so modest about his artwork, but he, he does these on a tight schedule and they're always top, top quality. And I'm just the best. I really like the one for, for, for Hogan Lesnar and the one for Lesnar is, is going to be. so good. So, so awesome. So yes, do make sure you hit us up on our social media. Let us know what you thought of How To Hogan. Did we miss anything? Any other thoughts? Any feedback? If you're a new fan and you've been trying to get into Hogan, do you think it's impossible as well? Let us know. Still use that hashtag, hey to Hogan. Hit us up on social media. If you are a new fan and you do like Hulk Hogan, please explain why. And how. And how. And <laughs> I want to, kind of. Yeah, and of course, as always, if you're listening on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher Radio, be sure you're subscribed. Get all the episodes direct with some bonus ones coming your way soon, hopefully. Be sure to leave a rating review also. Get us nice and high up in those charts again. Look, mate, I just recently updated my LinkedIn profile to include the fact that my podcast, my podcast mate, is uh, was once number eight on the uh, iTunes top charts. So if you want my LinkedIn profile to look good, please. It's win-win. I mean, we all we all benefit from Joe's LinkedIn profile looking good. Yeah, she'll endorse you for your I IT won't. skills. No, I she won't. won't. Do that. She won't. I might. Mm. I probably. I no, won't. He won't. I won't. Neither of us are going to endorse anyone that we don't know. <laughs> Mate, you got to work for us first. Yeah. And if you want to support and give back to How To Wrestling and help us on with our endeavours, we want to get Joe to see some live wrestling. Yeah. We're going to hopefully improve the audio quality, get some new microphones in here as well. Currently, I am sitting about five, six centimetres away from the microphone. Kevin is, hang on, just over three feet away. That's so, not an exaggeration. No. We are big and small. We need different microphones. I have a soft <laughs> voice. If I sat as far away from the microphone as Kevin is sitting now, well, I'll show you. Can you hear me all right? No, you can't. Wait, Hello? it's the Kevin podcast. Oh, I'm back. oh man. Oh, bloody misses his back. Oh, tur- turn off the loud, fun music. Put down the jalapeno bites. So if we uh, manage to reach some milestones with getting better audio equipment, it means I don't have to perch on a pile of cushions by the coffee table. Yes, Joe can have our own microphone. You can support, of course, by going over to patreon.com forward slash howtowrestling. You've got to be our backer or patron supporter, so you can do that there. There's lots of extra stuff and content coming your way for those of us who are backing, including access to a live stream Q&A that we'll be doing once a month. Yep. And also, monthly pay-per-view reviews for all $5 backers and more. $5 a month, you're going to get to hear Joe and Kevin's thoughts on the current shows as they're coming out mm-hmm. on the network so we're still open though for ideas and rewards that people want to see yeah. we want to hear from the how-to community 
Yes, we do. There are lots of rewards available for backers on Patreon now. If you're a $1 subscriber or more, you'll get access to Cho's show notes. Also, if you are the $5 backers, you will get monthly pay-per-view exclusive reviews. We're going to be reviewing the pay-per-views as they're coming out on the network. Short reviews, a little extra audio content for the backers there on Patreon. So just $5 commitment, you'll be able to get our thoughts on the shows that are coming out monthly on the WWE Network. And for the $10 backers is more, we've got access to a monthly live Q&A stream we're going to do where you can ask us questions, hang out, shoot the shit for our lovely $10 backers. We've gotten a lot of backers already on Patreon. Anyone who's checked it out and considered backing us and those of you that have, massive thanks. Seriously, it's been great. And our next goal is to see some live wrestling. Yes. If we reach $300 per month, we're going to go see a live show. Exactly, and we've got a wealth of UK independent shows and also WWE shows heading around these parts quite soon, so we're definitely psyched up to get Joe out to see some live wrestling and to report back for a special episode of How To Wrestling. And if you've actually got any ideas of promotions that might be in our neck of the the woods in the middle of England, you think that might be a good show for Joe to check out, always let us know on facebook.com slash Wrestling or on the Twitter. There's a local show that you think has got some talent that Joe might know but will be impressed by, let us know. Yeah. Uh, so, that's going to do it then for this episode of How To Wrestling. It's uh, been a, a task in many respects talking about Hogan, but also cathartic for me, I found, and hopefully educational for you. Cathartic? How? I just like like talking about all the shit Hogan's done and people going, yeah, that is shit, isn't it? Mm, you know, it's working through some wrestling bullshit right now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's a goodbye from me, Kevin. And a goodbye from me, Joe. And we'll catch you next time when it's going to be How to Lesnar Get Those Tweets In. And we'll see you next time. See ya.